This is a Fubar Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com. Nick Helm just, and Nathaniel Metcalf's fan club on Fubar Radio. Just, I mean, fucking start the fucking show. Start the show when it's time to start the show. Not what? Start, you know, making some notes. I'm allowed to make some notes before the show starts, right? <laughs> I'm allowed to make notes right up until the last, you know, the nub of the, uh, you know, but as long as I'm starting the show on the hour, it's all right. Anyway, happy International Women's Day. <laughs> Having a lovely old time in the studio. Uh, Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's fan club on Fubar Radio. And we're on the air. Uh, my name is... Ne- <coughs> my name's Nick Helm. And my name is Nathaniel Metcalf. Good afternoon. And you're listening to... Nick. And that's... <laughs> Fan club. Fan club. First rule of fan club is... Tell your friends. Tell your friends about fan club. And the second rule of fan club... Is please, for the love of God... Tell your, tell, Christ, your, tell, your, tell your friends about fact, my my, uh, my no that's it sorry I thought my uh, headphones were a little quiet and I just realised I was wearing my hat over my ears had my hat over my ears um, uh, we're celebrating uh, uh, International Women's Day today uh, with uh, our thirty seventh consecutive white male guest. <laughs> um, <laughs> We're we've not. done it again. We've done it again. Done it again. Um, no, we've uh, uh, we, we had two of the drunk women on last week. It's fine. Uh, one of them was a repeat, but that's all right. She still counts as a separate guest. So, um, uh, I've, uh, uh, um, what have you been a fan of this? I've, I'm a bit out of sorts because I've, I've, I've moved. I'm, I moved house on Wednesday. I tell you this. You got no internet connection. I've got no internet, but also I can't find my clothes. <laughs> um, they in one of the boxes. Like uh, we're lucky because I, I, I was. I, I mean, this is terrible. But um, so uh, we're getting ready to um, shoot the next series of Reluctant Landlord, uh, which is basically it's a seven-week shoot where you give your life over to a production company and they pick you up in the morning, they drop you off at night, you go to bed and then they pick you up in the morning and then they drop you off at night and then uh, you're exhausted in the weekends. Basically, I moved house on Wednesday. Um, it was the last day that I could move. I had to be out of my old flat. And um, uh, I, I had a... They, they said, oh, you... We've got a rehearsal for uh, Reluctant Landlord. Either, sorry, I've just had some Pepsi Max cherry. Either, <laughs> uh, I, I didn't get any of Levi Roots' stuff today. No, we didn't. You could have done. No. We're in the right shot. We're in I'm not going to do this, though, because I listened back to last week's fan club, and uh, I set up about three things that I'm going to finish off and I never finish any of the stuff off. Sure. What I was going to say about Alice Cooper, I've done it now because I'm <laughs> like, what, what I was going to say about Alice Cooper was because uh, that song that I played last week was not good. Um, well, it's all right. It's off a very interesting album. It's like a new wave. He did a new wave album in the in 1980, Flush the Fashion 1980. And there's about three albums that he did in a row which were all a bit weird. And then when you get up to 2001, when he did Brutal Planet, he sort of like did an industrial metal album, which was a bit like Marilyn Manson inspired. And what I was saying 
last week was there was a point in history where he was inventing things and then they got to like the late 70s early 80s where you felt like he was trying to keep up with mm. the current trends same thing happened with Bowie as well when he was sort of chasing the kind of drum and bassy type thing in the yeah. 90s and also when the Muppets took off you know he thought I'll have a piece of that pie <laughs> 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 That's what he thought. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't really see a problem because because when I don't know. I mean, it's you listen to the songs in uh, oh, isolation, it's all, and it's all part of a career, isn't it? It's all part of a. Mm. It all adds up to a career, in a way. <laughs> um, no, I think that is interesting. That he is like, he, but he is still. I think the thing that you don't think about Alice Cooper, or I don't, as someone who's not like a super fan is that you think of him as being this one thing for forever and actually he's doing all kinds like he's just like a sort of working musician for yeah but also the, the Alice Cooper that I think that you probably uh, w- that most people would instantly associate with is the late 80s Alice Cooper Poison Alice Cooper where he wears leather jackets and he's got big black hair I suppose so but I, I, but I, I think, think of the sort of 70s I think the sort of uh, the sort of horror influence sure. Alice Cooper um but he still wears leather jackets now, and mm. he didn't really up until the late 80s, was my point. And that was based on the fact that Motley Crue and Bon Jovi and um, Aerosmith were really big in the mid-80s. And he was sort of like going, oh, he'd sort of taken four years off to get over his uh, uh, addictions. And then when he, and when he came back, he was like sober. And he was, you know, and they were like looking at who, who the... His, his comeback album was Constrictor, which was awful. I can't listen to it. Then there's Raise Your Fist and Yell, which I, again, I don't think is a good album. And then he did Trash, which, if you look at all the people that um, that worked on Trash, like Steven Tyler does backing vocals on it. Uh, uh, bon Jovi does backing vocals on it. Um, it's, uh, I think, is it Desmond Child that produced it? It's, um, I mean, it's like, kind of like, uh, what do you call it? It's like a super, it's like a, Everyone that is big at that at that moment, I think it was '88, um, was on. And they're uh, all Alice Cooper fans from yeah. their youth. Yeah, and it's like it's his big comeback album, um, and it's all right. But they're all sex songs, and now he's a Christian. Uh, he doesn't sing any of them other than Poison, which he has to because um, uh, that's his biggest hit outside of schools out. And then his uh, and so, but even like something that's as iconic as that trash album is basically him chasing a trend, which is oh well, everyone wears leather jackets now. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I think when he went back and did his concept album, when he went back and did um, La- the Last Temptation, that's when it was like, oh, it's like that's like that's classic Alice Cooper. I think. Yeah. Anyway, the other thing I was saying about it was the character Keanu. In the Steve Coogan tour, yes, which was the weird thing about that character, was that um, when they announced the tour, he was there was kind of like an Animal House poster, um, and I he I and he was on the poster like it's an illustrated poster of all of Steve Coogan's characters, and Keanu was on the poster like oh hang on a minute he's going to do he's going to do ten uh, you know he's going to do a ten minute spot <laughs> as Keanu, who's like a character that was in a couple of episodes of Saxondale. Um, and then uh, he mysteriously disappeared. He was mentioned in one interview really early on, and then they ne- he's never mentioned ever again. And it's kind of weird that there was a point in time, 
that uh, Steve Coogan valued that character so much that he was going to like yeah do you reckon it just might have been one of those things where when he came to have to write 10 minutes he was like I, I can't do it I think I it's absolutely that I think mm. this character has got no legs yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that's a bad thing. Um, um, so those were two things. There was a third thing that I couldn't remember that we were talking about last week. Uh, anyway, there you go. This week, um, yeah. So we've got rehearsals. So, so if you didn't understand, that, if you weren't listening last week, just go uh, back go and listen, back, to, listen to, to last week's, week's episode. and then we'll tell your friends, please, please. Please listen to last week's episode. Please tell, tell um, and then so um, I'm moving out and. Um, and uh, it's, uh, everyone was like, it's very stressful moving house. It's uh, having a baby, uh, moving house, and I don't know, there was another one that was really stressful. Getting married? Maybe. Probably getting married. And I got all the way up to like, last weekend. I was like, this isn't stressful at all. And then all of a sudden, it's just like everything. And we were like saying that, um, that uh, when you start off like packing your house, you're kind of like, you're very... Uh, selective over oh I think I'll keep this this is a happy memory this is a fond memory uh, whenever I look at this mug it reminds me of that holiday I had in Florida and the roller coaster that uh, I bought this from the gift shop and I remember who I was with at that time and and then uh, and then you get to the day of the move and you're literally just throwing out baby photos like, <laughs> fuck it got no room for this in my place God, pack the van! Pack the van! That doesn't matter. But it's your wedding dress. Shred it. That's the that's. But and the move was fucking stressful. But on top of that, um, they said, "Oh, you need to come in for a five hour, four hour rehearsal for reluctant nod in the morning." I know. I was just like, "Oh, is there any way that you can move into Thursday? Because I'm, you know, I'm free on all day on Thursday. I've moved then." And they were like. No. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really, really stressful. Um, and yeah, and now, uh, so I was wearing the same pair of pants for three days. Um, <laughs> and, and I've just found like a laundry basket uh, of clean laundry. Good. Uh, but um, I still haven't found any trousers. So I'm wearing my, uh, my gym sweats. <laughs> uh, but like under, I've got my jumper on. But under my jumper, I'm wearing a fucking vest that I found. <laughs> I mean, like, like I'm wearing a vest yeah. and I'm wearing stained, sweaty gym trousers. I found one pair of clean pants. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm wearing yesterday's socks. Um, We're on it. I've been so stressed that my eczema has come out on my face, and uh, yeah. I just like I've looked better. Um, I'm just kind of like, oh, it's just, but it is stressful. Anyway, um, uh, oh, we're on air. (laughs) 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 Nick and Nat's fan club. That's the show. So, uh, so anyway, um, we've got some new buttons this week. Yeah, we've got um, we've got uh, nine, ten, eleven. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. We've got, uh, we've got eight new cues. So let's go through them. Oh, why don't you say something? Uh, uh, tell me... Um, to, oh, yeah, what's this fucking story that you had about uh, someone buying toilet paper in Iceland? I've no idea. That's what, I, uh, <coughs> that's what we needed Chris Boyd to tell us. So, so he, said, he said, oh, that reminds me of that story you so told. So you posted a picture of some toilet paper. That's in, right. Cause I'm, <laughs> that's what tell, I do. tell a story. Well, I posted a picture of some toilet paper because it had a funny thing on it. Where's the, where's the toilet paper from? 
Tesco's is yeah. exclusively from Tesco's and I thought that was a funny thing that they would advertise on toilet paper as if that was like a, a super exclusive thing like exclusively at Tesco's yeah. toilet paper and Chris Boyd replied oh I can't get over that story you told me about the bloke buying toilet paper in Iceland and I was like I don't know what story this is so you don't remember the story? Nah. Oh. no idea <laughs> uh, is that it? That's that button 16. That was nice. Mm. Um, okay. <laughs> That's cool. button 14. I'm, I'm going to save button 15 to last because that one looks particularly exciting. All right. Um, button. Applause. That's the studio applause. Uh I mean, what you've done in that, Natalie, is you've put you've put um, eight new sound effects up on the thing, but what you haven't done is uh, a lot of them are like almost identical to each other. So you've made it look like you've been busy, but in actual fact, <laughs> you've just doubt, you've googled one thing, which is sound of, uh, sound effects of cheering. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, okay. yeah, fuck you. Jesus Christ. Okay, this one better be good. It's a uh, shotgun with cock. <laughs> oh. Couldn't I, hear I've, the cock in that. Though. I've just understood what... Got, oh, got it. Got it. Um, so, <laughs> uh, what, so what have you been a fan of this week, Nat? You know what I've been. I haven't got any internet, so I haven't done any research. I've watched three films, but we'll talk about that oh, and a bit later. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, somewhere you've got that to look forward to. In the meantime, Nat's going to be telling us what he's been a fan of. I'm just going to pop out to the toilet. You take it. <laughs> 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 um, what have you been a fan of this I've week, been, That's how I've been doing. I've been watching. I've decided to have... A Hugh Grant season. Oh, I have watched some old Hugh Grant movies. Yeah. Uh, because I always think, God, I love Hugh Grant. I do love Hugh Grant. Love him. Yeah. Love him. Always have as well. Yeah. I've got. Um, when was the first moment he came into your life? Four weddings. Obviously. Obviously. I mean, four yeah, there's no point in pretending that, no. you know, you're a big fan of that Mary Shelley film and Lair of the White Worm when you were nine. But. I, I liked it later. I've seen it. I've, I've retrospectively gone back and uh, Lair of the White Worm. What a movie. Absolutely bonkers. Uh, what was the what's the Mary Shelley one that he did? Mm. Was it Gothic? Is he Yeah, Gothic. Gothic, yeah. Gothic with uh, Timothy Spall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think he is. He is proper sort of light comic actor in a way that you just don't get now and I think interestingly I was watching I watched uh, About a Boy which was when he sort of it was I guess that and Bridget Jones is when he kind of reinvented himself as sort of being American a bit Dreams more, yeah don't dreams. forget American Dreams yeah yeah but that's it because he's now sort of reinventing himself isn't he as being like a bit of a dickhead kind of person in films being a bit cuntish bit mm. of a bit, a bit edgy bit of a lad Bit of a, whereas, um, but you forget that, like, you've had all that period where you now that's become who you Grant is. But you but, had that period where well, he's he just started, he started off making films like Lair of the White Worm, Gothic, and then he became famous for Four Incident Funeral. But then there was once uh, there was a man that went uh, Englishman who went Englishman up a hill, and, who went up a hill and it's kind of like that's the sort of film that you would have made before Four Weddings. Oh yeah, I think there's a few films like that that maybe. Had been completed that they were like, hold on to that. Or they, they and it felt like he had about four films out within about three months of four yeah, weddings. And they were like, as four if weddings like, is going to be big. Yeah, and they've suddenly gone, 
put that on the schedule. So he had that. He had Four Winds awful- is going to be really big. It's got John Herner in it. <laughs> Keep that under your hat. Um, uh, yeah, I, I suspect that, that Englishman went up a hill and came down a mountain and was filmed before Four Winds. Or it's at least weird. it was probably like a, he's contracted to do it. Yeah, it's a, it's, it would be a bit of a weird follow-up to Four Weddings to yeah. do a film that no one's really got any interest in seeing, outside of the fact that Hugh Grant's in it. Um, <coughs> was Alan Rickman in that? No, he was in one called An Awfully Big Adventure that came out. That's right, that's right. That feels like a similar thing. Yeah, I think that was like because a TV thing as well. I think it was a BBC film. And then they cinematically released it. Because mm. then after Four Weddings, he went off and he did um, stuff like Extreme Measures. Was it, which one? Is it Desperate Measures or Extreme Measures? Extreme Measures. I've never seen Extreme Measures. Oh, it's good. I might try and watch it in my season. So Extreme Measures is the one with Hugh Grant and Gene Hackman mm-hmm. and... Desperate Measures is the one with Andy Garcia and Michael Keaton. Is that correct? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's another one that's similar, got a similar title, Desperate Intentions. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, uh, have you seen Basic? Have you seen Instinct? Have you seen Basic Instinct? Um, so there's like... Um, isn't, hasn't Basic and Instinct both got Anthony Hopkins in it? Look that up. I think basic... It's like Anthony Hopkins always regretted not being in Basic Instinct. And so he went <laughs> off and he made Basic and Instinct. Yeah, well, why did you do thing. that? I've got a great idea. I've got a great idea for a movie. Instinct Basic. Okay. And Tom Jones has just come in. As he's well. not in so Basic. He's in, with Anthony Hopkins. Who's in take... Basic? John Travolta. John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson. Ah. Mm. Maybe all three of them wanted to... Got to nah, it doesn't work like that. Doesn't work like that. <laughs> Doesn't work like that. I always wished I was in uh, Men in Black, so I made three films. One called Men, one called In. <laughs> <laughs> this is not vintage fan club, is it? <laughs> it's not. It's not going to be on a compilation of our best ones. We don't know. We don't know. We don't Depends know how bad they get. We don't know what's happening because <laughs> we, I haven't been given my schedule for the filming for over the next seven weeks. No, we don't know. So we don't know if we've got to do pre-records, if I'm pre next Friday. This or could anything. be the last fan club. This could be the last fan club for seven weeks. Probably. Uh, it won't be. It won't be. Yeah. But you might. You know. I'm. I'm. Uh, as uh, as Nat. Uh, both of them are always telling me I'm easily replaceable. But when I'm on the air, uh, I uh, manage to swallow my disappointment and humiliation and, uh, uh, and I put on uh, my cocksure persona. But inside I'm crying because mm. it's a, a Shotgun very, and cock. It's a di- very different It's a very different story uh, when, 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 when we're not on the air. Uh, oh, that's that sounded much more sinister, right? <laughs> that much more sinister. Uh, I am disappointed. Could you actually get the sound effect of a cock? I don't know what it would sound like. Um, what would it sound like? What do you think it would sound like? Um, what do you think it would sound like? The sound of a cock. Yeah. It's mm. a good point, isn't it? If you can't hear a cock, it, does it, it really exist? It's uh, just like doing an impression of what you think it would be. Like. <laughs> an impression. Yeah. What it would sound like? Yeah. What's it doing? Just being the cock. Yeah. Oh. Probably go. Oh. No. Like that. That's not very accurate. Go on. Try and make it sound as realistic and accurate. <laughs> I thought as that was realistic. Try and make it sound as realistic and as, as possible. 
Go, go on, let's see. I don't, I don't know. You do it. You do it. Yes. That's good, isn't it? What were you thinking? I was thinking of a man's cock. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. Oh. For the listeners at home, I am sorry about that. <laughs> 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 oh. It's like that radio... Uh, it's like that radio... <laughs> There's that radio calling thing. Uh, was it... In, it's probably an urban man. Urban man. And there's a radio calling and go, ooh, ooh, ooh. to win a prize, we want to know where the craziest place you've ever had sex is. And uh, this, woman's, this woman's on the line. And they're like, uh, so tell us, where's the craziest place you've ever had sex? She goes, no, I can't tell you. Go on, tell us. You can win, like, a £1,000. No, I can't tell you. Go on, where's the craziest place you've ever had sex? All right, in the ass. <laughs> and it's going to be kind of like... But it's not that crazy. It's 2019. <laughs> um, it's, it's aged that that anecdote. I yes, would say. Yes, Sounds yes. like very mid to late 80s to me. Mm. Anyway, about the time that Hugh Grant was filming Gothic. <laughs> so, um, well, I think it's interesting because he, after Four Weddings, he had a career, and he was his job was almost like he tried Extreme Measures. That was made by his own production company. But in general, what people wanted to see him in was romantic comedies. Um, it's a very, tr- it's a very. Cr- can we get up uh, Hugh Grant's IMDb page on our screen? And it's like, because you think of it, it's quite unusual that his his he was a romantic, a star of romantic comedies. But it's sort of unusual, I guess, that he's, you know, it's from a sort of male perspective as well. I watched the rewrite as well. Oh, that's fucking awful. I thought, do you know what? It's the second time. I, I the first time I saw it, I liked it. This time I liked it less, but I think it's a bit weird. And it's like he's a sort of protagonist of this romantic comedy, but he's not. It's like it's all very male-focused, and it's weird because it's this sort of rom-com, which you don't expect to be sort of very male-focused <laughs> sort of rom-com. I do, well, there was just a, I mean, we've talked about it before, but there's the Hugh Grant B picture formula, which is... Basically, oh, yeah. what the Hugh Grant A picture formula was was you get Hugh Grant and put him with an American actress and watch the fireworks explode. So, for instance, in the funeral, you've got Andy McDowell. Uh, Andy McDowell, uh, I love Andy McDowell, but when you're thinking about the biggest actresses on the planet or female actors, you look at Julia Roberts and you go, she is number one. So, in this next one, it's just like, right, okay, put Hugh Grant with Julia Roberts, and that is a huge film. And then it was just kind of like, then he tried some other stuff. And then it was just like, oh, it's the same guy. It's the guy that directed Miss Congeniality and um, Two Weeks Notice. So he directed. Mark Lawrence, he's called. Is that what he's called? Yeah. So he directed um, uh, Miss Congeniality with Sandra Bullock. And then he did a follow up film with Sandra Bullock called Two Weeks Notice, which co starred Hugh Grant. And it was really, it was a Sandra Bullock vehicle, and Hugh Grant came in to be like the romantic male love interest. And they must have got on so well because they followed that up with, uh, did you hear about the Morgans? Um, music and music lyrics. And, lyrics. Uh, and the rewrite. And the rewrite. And, uh, and obviously, did you hear about the Morgans? I think it was Music and Lyrics uh, with Drew Barrymore. Uh, 
what, uh, did you hear about the mortgage of Sarah Jessica Parker and uh, the rework with Marissa Tomei? And the only one out of all, f- I mean, I think that fucking, you know what two weeks notice is going in and they don't make the film. They don't make the film that is really clearly obvious. You know, you go two weeks notice. Oh, uh, there was Sandra Bullock did another film with him, I think, uh, with uh, I feel Ryan like Reynolds. Did. Oh yes, yeah, you're right. I think I think, I think they're the same film. The in my proposal, head. the proposal. Uh, I've, I've still got the food bar. I've, I haven't got the thing up. Oh, is it on the shared dock? Oh, right, there you go. Um, well, next time someone comes in here before the show and starts fucking around with all the computer screens, can we just make sure that <laughs> they've been put back the way I need them so that I can actually professionally run a show? I haven't pressed mute. Anyway, so um, <laughs> sirens, yeah, sirens, of course, sirens. Restoration, sense and sensibility. Fucking hell, what a movie! Great movie, great, Incredible it's a movie. great fucking movie. Uh, yeah, that's great. I mean, and that gets to be you, Grant. Gets to be you, Grant, again in a, in the context of uh, Jane Austen. Absolutely brilliant film, um, Sense and Sensibility. It is, uh, and uh, you know, obviously the cast is incredible, but it's also got um, you know uh, Alan Rickman in it. Who's yeah, dead. Uh, nine months. That was like kind his of big like, American. That movie. was like, hey, this. I reckon so. He made Sirens, Restoration. He probably did Sense and Sensibility after after Four Weddings. Yeah, still a good good job for him. It was it? a real good job, and it was just kind of like, okay, you've done Four Weddings. You prove your star power with Sense and Sensibility, or it's a, it's a nice way of going, having the supporting part. Yeah, and then. Once you've done that, you're going to go over to America, you're going to make nine months, get a blowjob, and then you're going to come back and we'll release... Eng- but don't worry about that, because we've got Englishmen who went up a hill and came down a mountain. Uh, <laughs> we've got that, in, uh, got that in the bank. We've got that in the bank. Made in 1993, probably. Englishmen who went up a hill but came down a mountain. Uh, which should have been called Englishmen who went over to Hollywood and came back with his tail between his legs. Uh, because that's what happened. Then there was an awfully big adventure. I've, I literally had no interest in seeing that. Extreme measures. Mickey Blue. Mickey Blue Eyes. Mickey Blue Eyes is one of the ones I've watched this week. Really enjoyed that. Really like it. Uh, really like it. It's. Um, it came out. It didn't come out quite this. Yeah, it did. It came out the same year as Analyze. Analyze this. Did it really? And it was kind of like they were like, oh, they've made two. I think it's the. I think it's the winner of the two. I love James Caan. Oh, he's terrific in it. It's like it's and generally what it is. Well, I'm saying it's brilliant. What it is, it's a three star movie, but it's. I, but I think people think it's a bad movie. Forget about it, yours. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not a good movie. The bit where he actually goes to the, tries to do the foreign accent in the restaurant is genuinely <laughs> really funny, and I think it's because he actually can't do it. And I think you are watching someone who's supposed to be doing a bad accent, <laughs> but it's so bad that you can't quite. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Um, um, Notting Hill, uh, I don't like that film. Um, small time, I watched Small Time Crooks this I week. I really liked Small. Did you this week? Yeah, I watched it on. Uh, yeah, I watched it on Sunday, maybe. No, yeah, maybe. I haven't seen it since it came out, but I've got fond memories of Small Time Crooks. The thing about Small Time Crooks is it's a Woody Allen movie, mm-hmm. right? Um, so everything aside. All the all the political stuff aside, I saw it at the cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, what year was it? Two thousand one, two thousand. I saw it, I saw it at the cinema. cinema. I, I sort of, I've got fond memories of it, right? Me too. And I I sort of really really liked it, but um, it's not a perfect film. And then when I watched it again, I thought it was like a film of two halves, basically, where the first 
the first half is all very sort of like light and funny and the second half gets bogged down in kind of like uh, Pygmalion and um, um, actually Hugh Grant his, when his, as soon as his character comes over, comes in, it's like the film's over, really. But then we watched it again, and uh, it's like there's, it's, it's a half hour of good stuff, and then there's an hour of kind of like average stuff. It's a weird film. Um, gonna just uh, press the uh, the old uh, spoiler. You have been warned. Um, <laughs> if you had nineteen years. If you haven't seen Small Time Crooks, then uh, shame on you. Um, but um, so the first half hour is really kind of bro- I, like I think it's the funniest thing that Woody Allen has ever made. Right? I think it was like a, I remember it being like a return to like yeah he's doing like funny stuff again. It's like a funny film. It's like an earlier. It's like one of his early funny Woody Allen films. Um, and it's Woody Allen, Hugh Grant, Tracy Ullman. Yeah, Woody Allen, Tracy Ullman, Hugh Grant, and then it's got Michael Rappaport, uh, John Lovitz. Um, and there were some others. I can't remember. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good cast. It's a good. Well, he always get. He he always gets good casts. He mm. always got good casts. Um, but um, okay, so the, so the first half hour is basically, and what I think really works about it is that he's not playing as uh, an intellectual, right? He's playing an idiot, and I mean he's great at playing an idiot. And like all of his films get bogged down. Well, I, uh, when the characters are talking explicitly about Woody Allen's own philosophical opinions, uh, and you just have, oh, what was that fucking awful film that uh, Magic in the Moonlight or Moonlight and Magic or I think there is one I've not seen. It's it. got uh, it's got uh, my uh, man crush uh, Colin Firth in it with uh, Emma Stone, Magic in the Moonlight. Uh, and I didn't know what it was. I was, I was watching it at home, and it had like oh, it's got a good cast. It's got Colin Firth and Emma Stone in it, and then it comes up and it's got like yeah, you know the type. Since you've seen the type, it's it's (laughs) there's jazz music and uh, with with white writing on black. And I was like, oh, it's not fucking late latter day Woody Allen, is it? (laughs) And then it's just oh anything but this. And we've committed to it. This is our this is our pick of the evening. And now we're watching. Oh fuck me! It's just, is there anything worse than accident? Oh, okay. But because you know of all the stuff that's happened, they don't they don't promote Woody Allen films with Woody Allen anymore. So it's just like, hey, starring Colin Firth and Emma Stone. You go, fucking hell! I'm going to watch that, and then the fucking jazz starts, and you go, oh no! It's not. It's 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 post 2000 Woody Allen, which is awful. It's just awful. Um, Anyway, I think maybe uh, Small Town Crooks is his last good film. So he's playing an idiot, and you get half an hour of just... It's just jokes. And what is really unusual for a Woody Allen film is it's really fastly paced, and all the characters are basically talking about the plot, So, which never happens. Normally what happens is that the plot gets explained really... Like when he got lazy and, and not as good, and he was just doing one a year because he'd had a personal bet with himself that he could do it <laughs> but um, <laughs> but it's just, but so they'll go hey oh my god you, you're a magician and you're gonna woo this lady and then it's just them talking for hours and hours and it's so unrealistic but with this um, it's kind of like there is a plot 
and they're all talking about the plot and there's jokes that come out of the plot and it's all driven by the plot and at no point does anyone sit down and just almost directly talk to the camera about what their what their philosophies are and it's just kind of like and it's so funny every single character in it is a complete moron and uh and it's half an hour of that and then all of a sudden um uh it's about it's about a couple that uh it's about Woody Allen and Tracy Ullman that basically uh He's a he's a robber. He's a bank robber, and they're they're, they're trying to get rich. Uh, and so Woody Allen is going to rob. He buys a he buys a bakery that's two doors down from a bank uh, as a cover. And he's basically going to tunnel under with his with his mates <laughs> and rob the bank. <laughs> Meanwhile, Tracy Ullman, to keep the cover going, bakes cookies in. Uh, the shop, and then they take off, and then because the cookies take off, they become multi-millionaires. And then the second half is like a high society comment. Not second half. The the the, the main bulk of the movie, which is the hour, um, it's an hour and a half. And the main bulk of the movie is basically they become millionaires, multi-multi-millionaires, and they become part of high society. And it's weird because Tracy Ullman is the character that made the millionaires by becoming she's she's a really great cook she has this hidden skill that nobody knew oh she's a really good baker and she's got a hidden skill that nobody knew that she had and then all of a sudden it really takes off and it's just like hey well maybe we don't have to rob banks anymore maybe we can just um you know rely on you being good at something to give us some money and then the second half of the film is about her thinking that her life isn't good enough so she mingles with high society uh, and she plays an idiot and Woody Allen plays an idiot but you get the feeling that Woody Allen is ju- Woody Allen the filmmaker is judging Tracy Ullman's character because Tracy Ullman's character is kind of like oh what's for dinner tonight oh I've made snails and Woody Allen's going oh I don't want to eat snails I want a cheeseburger and it's kind of like and he's kind of like saying oh, I might have money Right, that wasn't a great Woody Allen impression, I have to say. But in, in, in my pantheon of really amazing, go, go, <laughs> oh boy, I like a cheeseburger. I can't do it. See, no, I'm very ill though. Yeah. Still ill. Still, nothing like two hours of breathing into a shared microphone. That uh, is it all a food bar come down. Yeah. Yes, I'm taking down the station. <laughs> <sighs> So, um, uh, uh, so you've basically got Woody Allen saying, "Money's not changed me." Yes, I still like a cheeseburger and watch the baseball and playing. Uh, I like I like to play cards with my friends. Whereas Tracy Ullman's character, money does change her, and she wants to better herself and grow as a person. But at the end of the film, she's the one that gets basically abused and ripped off by everyone, and she comes back to Woody Allen, and you go, "Well." It's a, the first half hour is brilliant because everyone's equal. They're all idiots. Second, uh, second hour is kind of like they're still all idiots, but you've got the feeling that the filmmaker, who is also mm. the lead actor, is kind of like judging the other characters. And it's at least like a really not a really horrific bitter taste in the mouth, but it doesn't work. Mm. You're kind of like, going, oh, that's a shame. Mm. Because rather than celebrate her, they've kind of. And it is International Women's Day. Rather than celebrate her, he's kind of like, he's gone, oh, yeah, well, she's she's playing an idiot and I'm an idiot, but she's slightly more of an idiot because, you know, I'm an idiot, but I'm grounded. And she lets her fantasies get away with her. 
Yeah, it's a shame because it feels like why not just try? Why not do another comedy? And it feels like another. He does occasionally make these attempts to go. I'm going to do a, a comedy like he used to do, and then when he does it, they're they're always a bit okay, but they're not. It's like he can't do it. It's like he he can't sort of commit to the idea of just making like a. I think he probably thinks it's a waste of time because he's already done some comedies. I've already done some comedies. Oh, you want to see me do a comedy? Go back and watch, you know. Oh, sure. I mean, I don't mean you can't change, I suppose. But, but I do like his early comedies. Mm. So I like Bananas. I like Love and Death in particular. Uh, I like Sleeper. And and then Annie Hall I love. Mm-hmm. Never like Manhattan. You can tell it's creepy. Mm. Um... Uh, even back then, and also it's in black and white. And I didn't like. I quite like deconstructing Harry, which is in the nineties. But when he does his Ingmar Bergman stuff in the eighties, it's a bit like. Never. Even like I think I can only really take about. It is like they are really bitty. His films, like you were saying, like I think there's like half an hour of Hannah, Hannah and her sisters, which is funny, and the the rest of it I really don't like. And that's meant to be one of the ones where people go, "Oh, that's one of his like proper good ones." And you go, "I only really like half an hour of it." Yeah. Then they are they are really bitty. Like they've got like, it's like he does A plots and B plots, but they don't really interconnect even. They're just like kind of two films that are going. It's like well, I like that bit of it, but I don't like the other. But also, arc in uh, of it. Melinda and Melinda, uh, that film. I, I I I when did I see that? I was I did the stand in Edinburgh, and I went to back to the hotel, and they only had four channels, and Melinda and Melinda was on four channel four. Uh, and I switched it on and basically it was the only thing other than the news that was on and I just had to read instead I just hate that <laughs> film so much it drove me to books um, just awful just fucking but like awful in the way that it just makes you fucking um, but then there's bits in Deconstructing I mean that is a bitty film but that's an anthology film but there's bits in Deconstructing Harry that I think really stand out that are really great and there are bits that aren't, don't work so well but I mean you get that with anthology films anyway um, I don't know. I think I, I've always felt like this about his films, though. There, like there are films that I think that I think Annie Hall is just genuinely yeah, it's great. one of the greatest films. And then there are films where you just say, "Oh, fuck off, Jesus Christ!" Um, and, but that's the work of an artist, isn't it? Mm. I'm constantly going around the National Portrait Gallery, telling something to fuck off, telling some of the paintings to fuck off. Yeah, good and for you. In the very next room, I'm loving the Rembrandt. <laughs> Uh, which isn't a euphemism before you right in. Oh, you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, right, so we got up to Small Town Crooks. Bridget Jones's Diary. That's when it that. switched, didn't it? Because it's like they've gone. Well, Hugh Grant, when you see him interviewed, he's much more. He's much more of a sort of cheeky sort of. Well, he plays a bad guy in Small Town Crooks. Oh, okay. A real shit in that. But then Bridget Jones's diary is kind of like, uh, but I don't, th- I don't think many people outside of Woody Allen's immediate mm. um, uh, fanship probably went to see that. Then you got Bridget Jones's diary. Yeah, that's when he. Kind and you of do like, feel like maybe that's slightly closer to who he is in in real life, and I get the impression he kind of relishes it. This is a really weird kind of like. So God, so he did what? This timeline is kind of like not what I was expecting. Mm. Bridget Jones's diary. Then he went back and did two weeks' notice, and then um, about a boy came around. After that, uh, I was thinking about about a boy uh, earlier today. Maybe it's weird that you brought this up. I watched it. Um, uh, I watched it the other day. Really like it still. Holds up. It's really good. Uh, based on a good book as well, though. And then you got Love. Actually, I think that that is. Incredible. 
just awful. I mean, I'm not like breaking the mold here, but I mean, that is a film that at the time it just made, just set my teeth on edge. I hated that film. (laughs) I think there's, I do, I I have a real mixed thing with Richard Curtis films. And it feels like, and I think the reason why I dislike some of them is because I almost, (coughs) it's because some of them are really good. And it's like you can always see how there's a really good film in all of them. It's like there's a really good film in this, and I find it frustrating that it. That's, I think it's it's almost so close to being a really great film that when it isn't, I find it more disappointing. I don't. I don't agree. <laughs> that's a, I th- I really like Four Winds and a Funeral. Me too. I haven't seen a lot of his later films, but I did. I mean, I really love Four yeah. Winds and a Funeral. Don't really get on with Notting Hill. I think the Julia Roberts character is despicable. I don't think she's likable on any level, and uh, and you can't really follow her internal logic. It's kind of like he's explaining what's happened, and she's still angry with him, and it's kind of a, you know. I just I I yeah. I just I think I think I sort of struggle with all of them. I think really, except for Four Williams. I think that's the Love kind of Actually is a, a, the boat that rocks. Mm. Oh yeah, um, Bridget Jones, uh, Edge of Reason. That's a disappointing sequel. I love the first Bridget Jones very much. Uh, Housewarming. I don't know what that is. I don't know. Then you got American Dreams Dreams in 2006. Uh, I saw that recently, and it is extraordinary. Absolutely insane, isn't it? Absolutely insane. Fucking. I mean, just a crazy, crazy, crazy movie. Then you're adding some in. Why is why is it changing? You're adding stuff at the top. What are you doing? Nothing. Okay. Okay. It seems like. Uh, it's, okay, we've got to go back to the beginning. So he did 82 Privileged, <laughs> 87 Maurice White Mischief, 88 uh, Rowan with the Wind, the Left, White Worm, The Dawning, The Bengal. Oh, is it Bitter Moon I'm thinking of? Not. Oh, I'll tell you, Remains of the Day, that is a, that's an incredible film. Uh, Remains of the Day. I absolutely love Remains of the Day. That's the one I get mixed up with Shadowlands. Yes, this is Emma Thompson and uh, Anthony Hopkins. God, it's good. I mean Shadowlands, Th- those two films, Anthony Hopkins. Oh, I was watching something with Anthony. Oh, I started watching The Wolfman last night. Oh yeah, mm. I really like The Wolfman. So, I, I'm underrated movie. Got to play a song. Got to play a song. Okay, yeah. Music and lyrics. Uh, I love it. Love it. It's a bad film, uh, in places, but the songs are incredible. Great. Hugh Grant is really up for it. Drew yes. Barrymore is uh, typical classic Drew Barrymore. So. Either you like it or you don't, and then uh, the plot is what's okay. So getting down to it, music and lyrics. Did you hear about the Morgans? Two weeks' notice and uh, the rewrite, uh, and probably the the proposal. Basically, the guy that makes these films, what's it called? Mark, Mark Lawrence. Mark Lawrence. There's a really kind of like they're all high concept comedies mm-hmm. that kind of like don't ever live up to the concept, where. Specifically with two weeks' notice, it's called two weeks' notice. So what it is is you've got an environmental lawyer, and you've got the head of a big uh, corporate conglomerate or, or whatever you call them, right? And uh, <laughs> and basically he hires uh, Sandra Bullock to um, 
or she infiltrates this conglomerate and uh, she, uh, and in your head what you think is they meet, they kind of like argue a bit and then she gives two weeks notice and then he's got kind of two weeks to turn his life around before, so that she won't leave. I think that's kind of like the film that you would want to see and then it ends with him like going, I'm sorry, I'll change my way. But none of that happens. He's still a... He's still a um, he makes some sort of like token gesture like opening up a park at the end or something like Whoop! Spoiler! So he makes some sort of like uh, You say that. But it's so convoluted what the plot is. It just goes everywhere and it takes I think she get, hands in two weeks notice about 15 minutes towards the end of the film and you go that's what the whole film should have. You've called it two weeks notice. You've got room for a five minute sequence where Sandra Bullock needs a shit on a, in a, in a, in a traffic <laughs> jam and so she has to use um... Uh, she has to use someone's uh, caravan. There's a static home. Oh no, it's a, it's a tr- not a static home. It's a uh, camper van type thing. And then they play the, the the song "Taking Care of Business" while Sandra Bullock is running along the freeway, trying not to shit herself. And it's meant to be like this really, I don't know, what a romantic moment. And then Hugh Grant is basically <laughs> stood outside the toilet making small talk with this family. <laughs> I mean, it sounds good, doesn't it? Well, Sandra Bullock is behind a tiny little wooden door shitting her brains out. And you go, oh, I love this movie. What a great fucking movie. Uh, it's actually <laughs> you the sold hi- it to me. I mean, I'm thinking it's good. It's actually good. the highlight of the movie for me. And um, uh, it's the only bit that I really remember. <laughs> and all of his films are like that, I think. Two Weeks Notice is like that. And then um, uh, music and lyrics is kind of like, uh, almost, but it kind of doesn't quite. Hugh Grant is just up for it in music and lyrics. So he really makes that film. Did you hear about the Morgan? Not seen he, it. He's miscast. It's not. He's not good in that film, and it's not a good film. Um, and music and lyrics is like it's a two star. It's just like it's like a cookie cutter two star uh, um, romantic comedy that is elevated by basically Hugh Grant being just up for it. It's kind of. It looks cheap. There's a bit when he does a gig <laughs> in a theme park, and they've managed to herd up like <laughs> like ten extras, and it's kind of like okay. it just looks so cheap. The whole thing, and they've obviously like filmed it at kind of Universal or somewhere where they could film in for free because they've they're the people that have produced <laughs> it. Um, and then uh, what was the last one that they did? The rewrite again. It's kind of like you kind of know what the picture is, and then the guy, you, you know, you know what the you know what the high you know what the concept is, but then they kind of don't really go for it. Uh, right, I'm going to play a song now, uh, and then we will be back. interesting that that you're saying that Woody Allen films actually improve with age <laughs> fine it's uh, weird uh, you might be one of the only people on the planet that actually feels that way okay um, so my favourite most recent <laughs> working backwards is how it works <laughs> if I do them in order it, it happens to be exactly most recent going backwards no you were just saying that um, hang on uh, so you were just <laughs> so you were it says just, your name yeah <laughs> so, um, so you were just saying that Woody Allen uh Probably makes some of the worst films in the modern era now in history. Of yeah, well, it's sort of remarkable, isn't it? Well, we're just talking to go. Joe, you know what one of the worst films I've ever seen is this, and three of us came up with three different movies that were all recent Woody Allen films. Yeah, <laughs> and he goes, yeah, there's some of, some of my least favourite films that, I've ever seen are recent Woody Allen films. Yeah, um, and it's weird. Uh, it's a, yeah, but, but I think that might be the same thing of someone where you go, I know he's made. 
brilliant film. So That's maybe it's happens. more frustrating that you go, I cannot believe this is get this is out there and you're made you've made this maybe just you know spend more than a year on it in, in each yeah in that's what i was thinking yes. two, um, two years two uh, years so so uh, so which you grant films did you watch i watched about a boy yeah i watched uh uh the rewrite yeah and i watched mickey blue eyes mickey blue is that it so far you watched three I watched and what three have you got so coming far. up i think i'm going to try and do small time crooks yeah I'm going to do... Uh, I'd be interested to know what you think of that, because yeah. I think the first half hour is the best, like, in terms of being consistently funny without any pretensions of doing anything other than being entertaining. It's um Well, he was like really a weird... That, that sort of mid-90s era, Woody Allen, he did have, like, a bit of a resurgence. So he had... Uh, what was the... Um, what's the one where it's Samantha Morton and Sean Penn? What's that? The Sweet and Low Down, Sweet yeah. Sweet and Low Down was good, and I thought Bullets Over Broadway was good. Mm. I liked and Manhattan Murder Mysteries, and I really liked, uh, which is late 80s, I liked Purple Rose of Cairo. Yeah. Which is really kind of sad. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think I'm going to try and do it. There were some that I don't have. I mean, I, I, I've, I've got, because uh, I'm packing my stuff, or if I'm, I'm unpacking my stuff mm-hmm. now. Um I've got a, there's a shadows and fog. No oh God. <laughs> um, but I haven't ever seen Zelig, and everyone goes on about Zelig being great. It's kind of like Forrest Gump before Forrest Gump. But um, I don't know. I basically, it's my goal in life to watch every single film that's ever been made. <laughs> Good luck. It's hard. They keep making them. <laughs> they keep making them. I know they don't make it easy. And I keep yeah. watching films I've already seen. So like, um, uh, I watched Naked Gun thirty three and a third at the weekend. How's that? It's not. It's weird because... Um, well, I reckon I saw the first two a lot, and I, I think I might have seen that once or twice. I saw it at the cinema, and I was disappointed with it when I saw it at the cinema. But not like, I don't hate it. Mm. I just, I'm so happy to see Leslie Nielsen and George Kennedy and Priscilla Presley uh, and OJ. Uh, you could like OJ back then. Um, but I think, those, as I was saying, he's very, he's very good in them. <laughs> he's I great mean, um, I remember not knowing OJ before. I only knew yeah. I, when the thing happened. It was just like, what? The guy out of Naked Gun? Me too. Me too. That was um, what you're known for. But, um, but 33 and a third is kind of the first two, I think, are classics. I used to think it was really close between them. But now I'm a bit older and wiser. Naked Gun is a stone cold classic. It's just one of the funniest, consistently funniest over the years films that I've ever seen. Like it was as funny now as it was the first day I saw it. Naked Gun Two and a Half. It's just really nice to see the gang get back together, and uh, you go, oh, I still, I still really like it. Um, but there are kind of like some weird reaction shots where people are kind of like know that they're in a spoof film, and then. But it's still got a storyline of its own. And then you have um, Naked Gun 33 and a third, where they are literally uh, spoofing scenes from movies. It's like a precursor to the epic movie films and the, the date movie films, where it opens with a, with a parody of the... Um, uh, 
what the Battleship Potemkin step sequence from oh, uh, yeah, the, yeah. when they do it in the Untouchables. So basically, it's like the you know, so it opens with a, a spoof of that scene in the Untouchables, and then there's a spoof of that scene in Thelma and Louise, and then there's a spoof of that scene from all the Prison Break movies, and then there's a spoof, of, and you go, and it basically feels like they've uh, then there's a spoof of Beavis and Butthead, and then there's and you go. They've basically taken a string of all these pop culture things, of stuff that's kind of like, even slightly out of date back then. Yeah. I remember it's like the Untouchables thing was just like, why are you spoofing that? The Untouchables was made before the first Naked Gun movie. Yeah. Uh, but then um, Thelma and Louise was very much kind of like like a couple of years um, old by that point, but like uh, of, it was still contemporary. And it's kind of like, it was Pat Prof that directed that one. He didn't direct the other two. Um, and uh, I think the first two, first one's a classic, second one is very close, and the third one is like by a long shot, just nowhere near. Yeah. And it, I think it's specifically because it feels more like a modern spoof than it did like one of the classic uh, Zachary Abraham Sucker films. I think that's it. I guess, I guess in between, I guess you've got all the hot shots and things, haven't you? Which I guess are more spoof. Whereas, and whereas I think that you can get away with Oh, God, you met her. Yeah, it's a really very good, you know. Mm. Yeah, I did, yeah. So you were Ill. I was ill. Very nice, yeah. Very like, nice. And you got a photo of her with the thumbs, thumbs up. up. Thumbs up. I'm very jealous. Um, you wouldn't have liked it. See, you would have been coughing all over. I know exactly. That's the thing. It's kind of like I was ill and I was sneezing and coughing, and it's kind of like I would like to meet her, but not like that. Not like this. Not like this. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I and I think that that spoof kind of like style works worked in the Hot Shots films. I didn't. I, I've never liked the first Hot Shots, but something about the second Hot Shots, which is, I think it's. I don't like Top Gun, so maybe it's that. I find mm. Top Gun incredibly boring. I Me remember and my when friends I still say to each other, "I love you in Wall Street." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like a, a thing we say as we. Well, like that's it. that's what I watched last night. I watched Hearts. Of, I watched Hearts of Darkness. Oh yeah. Which is uh, the doc- it's the feature length documentary before that that was really a thing of mm. the making of Apocalypse Now, and um, it's got like everyone is interviewed in it, like Martin Sheen, Francis Ford Coppola, um, uh, George Lucas, uh, John Milius. Um, so it's kind of like um, I think I-, I prefer it to Apocalypse Now. <laughs> I think it's. A, I think the well, making a, of Apocalypse Now <laughs> is a more enjoyable. I mean, it is great. It better is great. film than Apocalypse Now. I just think it's. I mean, it's, it's, it's mad that they all went through that, and they almost shouldn't have. That's what you think about. They it. shouldn't like, have. You shouldn't have. You shouldn't have done this. They shouldn't have done you it. Have gone home. <laughs> but then he's like going, they're going. Don't you ever feel like quitting? He goes, "What am I going to do? Quit myself? <laughs> I'm, I'm putting up the money." This is my Francis Ford Coppola, who looks so much like David Trent in it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> <laughs> um, when we did Heavy Entertainment, we did a war episode, and we dressed him up like Francis Ford Coppola. And um, but um, yeah, I mean, he's like saying that he put all of his own money, and so he couldn't walk away yeah. from the project. And he's just like, "Yeah, I, that's um, no, the initial idea for." Um Apocalypse Now was they were filming it with all this sort of great sort of at the time sort of Lucas had given him all the top kind of cameras and sound things and it was going to be this sort of cinematic sort of massive sort of experience John Milius wrote it for 16mm and George Lucas was going to direct it and Francis Ford Coppola was going to produce it that's how it was 
And uh, but no, they got to the point where they wanted to have it almost like like IMAX is now, where they're going to show it in one movie theater forever, essentially, <laughs> and have it like and have it like this thing where it's got super super duper sound. So almost like it was just going to be this place you couldn't see it in other theaters. You could only see it in this one sort of movie theater that had all the super up to date sound and sort of projection. It was this sort of weird idea they had as they were making it. Like yeah, you can only ever see it there. And you'd have to go to this place to watch it. And it would just be in this one location. That's weird, because they did that years later with Captain EO. (laughs) The Michael Jackson movie produced and written by George Lucas and directed by Francis Ford Coppola, starring Michael Jackson. And uh, you could only go to Disneyland to watch it. Um, I I think it's weird. I saw it. Did you see it at Disneyland? Mm. Have you been to Disneyland? Yeah, I went when I was 14. Uh, Worst age to go. Because you're too cool for school. Yeah, and like generally, I'd love it now, and I'd have loved it before that. I just—it's almost like what a waste. Yeah, like it's just at a time when you see someone dressed as Minnie Mouse, and you go, "Oh God, how embarrassing!" <laughs> and you just think, "Imagine <laughs> it now." I don't know how much I'd give to see someone who's dressed like Minnie Mouse. Now I'd be like, "Brilliant!" I can. Someone dressed that. as Goofy. <laughs> I can arrange that. <laughs> Yeah, but why are you saying? Why are you narrating what's happening now that I've swallowed the tea? (laughs) (laughs) When I when I (laughs) because it's funnier. The silence is there. What makes it funny? I've been meaning to write a review of this for ages. A fantastic show. That's all about what? Thanks. That's the fan club. We've never said that. Oh, Mark so Granger. It's all about celebrating the things we love. I've been meaning to write. <laughs> wrong use of the word right there. Wrong spelling of the word right. I've been meaning to write a review of this for ages. A fantastic show. It's all about celebrating the things we love. Not destroying the things we hate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so to, nice quote, to quote my favourite film, The Last Jedi. Nice review. Uh, and relax by Tadak (laughs) if that is your real name I was lured to this show as I adore Nick what a great review (laughs) what a great review Uh, (laughs) I was was lured to this show as I adore Nick and now Nathaniel a five star show with warmth chemistry and Claudio Simonetti I haven't mentioned him for a few weeks no what's your favourite film ever yeah it's a Wonderful Life. Oh. What's your favourite film? Mamma Mia! <laughs> I believe that's the correct pronunciation. <laughs> the, third, oh. the third film I said, just before I ask you oh. a question and then we get, uh, we get our guest on. Uh, the, third, the third film I saw was, um, was um, Expendables 3. Okay. Now, I remembered very much liking Expendables 3. Uh, I did not like Expendables 1. Mm-hmm. I, 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 it was almost like it was custom built for me, but I thought it was an exercise in uh, schedule clearing uh, rather than <laughs> filmmaking. Uh, 
and uh, thought Expendables. Great production manager on that film. Expendables One was terrible. <laughs> but what's interesting enough, the, the, what's better than Expendables One is Inferno, <laughs> the making of the Expendables, <laughs> yeah. which is a feature length documentary about the making of Expendables, and it is absolutely fucking incredible. It's the heart of darkness of uh, the Expendables. No, but it is. It's it's like it's absolutely like it's a from a filmmaking point of view, you just watch the documentary and what they went through to actually. Well, what Stallone went through in order to actually get uh, Expendables made. He breaks his neck at one point. He breaks a bone in his neck when he's fighting Stone Cold Steve Austin. And, and they say, right, well, you can either halt the production of the film for three months while your neck heals or just take these drugs and keep going. And so he just basically... if he, but Of holds, course he had to, because you'll never get the people back. You'll never get Dolph Lundgren and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and Jason Statham in a room together again. You'll never, right? What's Terry Crews going to do? Uh, and uh, so, and then Expendables 2 uh, was slightly better, but the tone is all over the place. The tone veers from like very dark and uh, not really gritty, but dark stuff to just being like a spoof and everyone turning up in an airport at the end and just doing one-liners almost directly to the camera. And then the <laughs> third one, I thought, was like a good balance between the two. Where and like, where else uh, are you going to see a film where Arnold Schwarzenegger, Harrison Ford, Sylvester Stallone, Dolph Lundgren, Terry Crews, Jet Li, Jason Statham, all team up to kill Mel Gibson. I mean, what, 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 what a movie! It's, it's just like you. Well, who haven't we used yet? Well, in the se- second one, it was like who haven't we used yet? Well, Jean Claude Van Damme, all right, but we're making the bad guy. And it's like who haven't we used yet now? Well, Mel Gibson. And it was, what's good about the use of Mel Gibson is the fact that um, he, all the way through the Lethal Weapon movies, he's, there were all these Three Stooges references. And in Expendables 3, there were all these Three Stooges <laughs> references because they go, well, what's Mel Gibson famous for? Well, aside from the obvious, uh, it's the Three Stooges references. And so, so they, they throw that in there. And, um, yeah, it's just interesting, I just think. Uh, but it's like, well, we can't make him a good guy, but we haven't used Mel Gibson. So we'll make him a bad guy and we'll all go and kill Mel Gibson. And that is the plot of Expendables 3. Um, it's, it, it, I saw it as, uh, at the London premiere and all of the, the cast came out. Oh, yeah. And, um, and I basically I was so happy. To, when I, I had to go down the red carpet really quickly because that was the only way in, not because I was a guest. And... Um, uh, we walked past Wesley Snipes, uh, uh, Jason Statham, Antonio Banderas, and then uh, I don't think uh, Stallone was around. Probably doing interviews backstage. And we went and sat on the front row, and uh, Antonio Banderas came out and he did a little poem. And he went, oh, Antonio Banderas steals that film. He's so good. But Expendables 3, the best of the Expendables films, but still. Not good. Okay, so here's a quick question. Who provides the voice of the mother in The Incredibles? Uh, Holly Hunter. Of course it is. Now we're going to uh, play a song. And David get... Bowie in The Heat of the Morning, is it? Uh, that? Yeah, that's right. It's David yeah. Bowie in The Heat of the Morning. We don't normally introduce them, though. No. Nick and Nat's Fan Club on Fubar Radio. Is it guest two? Is it guest two? Is it guest two? Yes, guest two. Um, so I was just uh, trying to work out which microphone to put back on. Um, um, there's that bit in Wayne's World 2 uh, where they're waiting for Handsome Dan to come out and uh, and then the guy that goes in and introduces himself was Mr Charming from next door in Married with Children. 
and then they realise that he's actually just screaming Dan. <laughs> and uh, uh, when Handsome Dan comes out, it's Harry Shearer, and he's really short and sweaty, <laughs> and he's wearing like a tracksuit. And that, I just saw a reflection of myself <laughs> as I went past the mirror, and I was like, "Oh no, that's what I look like." I've moved in house, and I don't have any clothes. <laughs> I, I haven't. I can't find my clothes that I've unpacked. And um, I had a photo shoot today where I had sweaty hair and I look, I look awful anyway, I'm apologising I'm ashamed to be alive anyway we're joined in the studio now by actor yeah. <laughs> actor sure we'll call it. Uh, Tom Goodman Hill hello hello how are you I'm really good thanks I've got a well I was going to say you're coming injured I have uh, I got in a, I had an altercation with my cat yes so I saw you when we did our photo and I did that thing where I noticed it straight away and then I was like I'm not going to mention it and yeah. I just thought it's weird that I haven't mentioned yeah, it. Yeah, you thought maybe he's had surgery or something. Maybe it's something I shouldn't. <laughs> maybe he doesn't about. know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I have no idea. There's a scar right across. I mean, the bridge it really of my is. Nose. It's it's it's, it's really gone here. What it, happened? No, she didn't go for me. She just, we've just had a baby, and if you ever when you when you've got a three week old baby in the house, your cats get really jealous and they get really really needy, and they also piss in the cot, which is a really nice thing to do. <gasps> oh so so she pissed in the cot. So I'm running downstairs with the mattress into the kitchen, and she doesn't know she's done anything wrong because you can't tell them off otherwise it all gets worse and so she's all around my feet and I sort of didn't notice her and tripped over her and smacked my nose on the kitchen counter oh, <laughs> no. I thought the cat no she didn't yeah. attack me although she you know she's she can be known to do that don't cats do stuff like um, piss on your pillows as well N- maybe you're I don't have a cat. I'm allergic to cats and all their behaviour. I'm not a fan. Um, Uh, No, they've never done that. Never done that. In fact, they've never done sort of anything like it before. So I don't know. I don't know. Oh no! It was Johnny. I think Johnny uh, Sweet when uh, he said that uh, he had a cat and it used to shit on his pillows. Shit on his pillows. So when you get in, I mean, they know that's where you put your head. Yeah. And when you get in, you go. You've got shit all over your pillows, and it's just like. Oh fuck! And it's when they're really angry. Your cats, your, your pets are really angry with you. They go, oh, "How can I fuck?" Right, I'm gonna shit where they sleep. <laughs> but imagine if that was a human. You'd never forgive them. If it was a human being, you'd yeah. be like, "No, unacceptable." And you wouldn't really know how to cope with it. What do no. you say to someone who's just shat, shat on, on your, your pillow. pillow? I don't know. I just think never shit where you sleep. <laughs> All right, Natalie. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to. Uh, uh, so you two used to be neighbours. Yeah, we did. We the, did. Upstairs, downstairs, neighbours. Are you still there? Uh, no, no, we've moved. Okay. Uh, yeah, we had Nat and also Angela Barnes. Yes, up, upstairs. What? Yeah. What? And, and, and Angela, were you living in Stella Street? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And Angela used to run. Uh, used to run the youth theatre that my son went to. Hang on, oh, where really? was this? Where was this? This is in Gypsy Hill. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, was that afterwards? Uh, yeah, when she it was the South. North, oh, South the London, London Theatre. The South London Theatre. Yeah, yeah, I know. And the, and she ran a youth theatre that uh, that my kids went to. Yeah. How long ago was this? So uh, I moved out four years, years ago. ago. Yeah, so it was f- it was five and four years ago. So because Angela Barnes um, used to live in Brighton. Yeah. And she used to run a gig uh, at uh, Farm. the farm. Uh, was it just called the Farm Pub, and then they called it the Funny Farm? That would make sense. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's how I knew Angela. But I felt like she's—I think she's moved back to Brighton. Not that it's anyone's—not that it's anyone's uh, business, but she moved, <laughs> she moved back down to Brighton. But um, 
She's got a gig tonight, Leicester Square Theatre. Fucking hell, I bet she regrets that move now. It'd <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> be much easier to get home, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, I've regretted my move. I mean, I used to live, I don't know if uh, you knew this, but uh, <laughs> I used to live just five minutes round, uh, round the corner and uh, now I've just moved uh, the other side of Holloway Road. About ten minutes away About ten minutes away now. Well, it's a bit of a nightmare because Nat insists that we meet at Starbucks, so I actually have to walk 11 minutes and then double back on that last minute to get here and that's unacceptable and that is a bore leg uh, mm. it takes Nat, Nat, it takes Nat slightly longer to get across town like about 45 minutes about 45 minutes but uh, it has really upped up the uh, level of tough, travel that, that uh, I've had to do um, I, used to, I used to live with my ex-girlfriend in, in above you Yeah, and right. I remember there being a thing where I remember in coming Gypsy Hill. in Gypsy Hill what's in Gypsy Hill what's the Gypsy Hill near it's between Crystal uh, Palace, Crystal Palace, and West Norwood. Hmm. Hmm. What's Means West Norwood? Uh, so West Norwood's <laughs> just south of Brixton. Brixton. So you know, sure. that way you're going that way. Sure. And, <laughs> and I remember there being a thing where I remember bumping into you when, and it was quite a grim time because I remember that I was just collecting some of my stuff from yeah. the flat, and you saying, "Oh, I think there might be a bit of a leak or something," and I was saying, oh, "Okay." Oh right! I'll let them know. And then said, "Oh, I don't, I because I, I as you hadn't realised, I, I said, oh, I, I don't live here anymore. I, I, oh, me and Anne split up, and and you were kind of very, oh yeah, left it. Yeah. And I said, oh, but shall I, shall I tell them? And you're like, no, 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 no. no, no, okay. no. I think there's something it. so English about it. And then didn't actually <laughs> leak through or something. I don't know what happened. Some sort of condensation <laughs> weirdness was going on. And then, so was there three flats in one house? No, no, it was two. Um, so I was living with Anna and Angela Barnes was our flatmate I never knew you lived with Angela Barnes sorry well <laughs> it wasn't a secret you were yeah you're a bit of a dark horse <laughs> no because yeah, well, we literally just talk about films though don't we yeah we do. I think that that's our that's our relationship isn't it I think it, it is <laughs> I think that you know it's, it's escapism <laughs> you know, but it is weird that you know uh, I've known you for twelve years, and I went out, I went to see your gig, and uh, uh, and I went and stood outside after the gig, and I stood next to a chap who was smoking, and I said, uh, "Oh, that was very good, wasn't he?" He goes, "Yes, I'm his brother." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, nice to meet you." <laughs> Didn't know he had a brother. <laughs> Didn't mention. Maybe, maybe you should just listen to each other more. Right? No, I, I, I. I hmm. <laughs> but that's terrible for radio <laughs> because when I stop talking, <laughs> you you stare at me. <laughs> we were we were playing a David Bowie track, yeah, and I did notice that you put David Bowie as something that did, you are a fan of, yeah, yeah. And David Byrne. And, and David, David, Byrne. David Bowie and David Byrne. I put them, I put them as one thing because I, I was obsessed with both of them from, uh, for as long as I can remember. Now, David Byrne is the one from Talking Dead Heads. or Alive. No, <laughs> right, that's, <laughs> Pete Burns, right? that's Pete Burns, right? That's Pete Byrne's, right? Talking Heads, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think Talking Heads are a band, although Nick might dispute this from that. I no, think Talking are. Heads are I a band. I absolutely think they, they are a band. band. <laughs> they were a band. That everyone loves? God, I hope so. That would be a nice. I thing think they're me. almost univ- their 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 hit rate. I think amongst people is almost universally positive. I don't think I meet people that know Talking Heads and go, I don't like it. Oh yeah, no, if they know them, they love yeah. them. There's loads of people who just 
didn't know them, never sure. got into them. But so, I think if you know them, you love them. So do Talking Heads, so do, Talking Heads did the Stop Making Sense tour. Yeah. And that's also known as the Big White Suit tour. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I've got that on DVD. I think that's excellent. Yeah. Uh, now, do Talking Heads do a song on the soundtrack to The Breakfast Club? Talking Heads. Oh, Is that Simple Minds? Simple Minds. Simple see, minds. I get Talking Heads and Simple Minds. Really? By, okay. by, well, I, get, by I can name, see that. By name confused. Sure. Not, not, not by music. Sure. So, uh, so David Byrne sang Psycho Killer. Yeah, he did. And he also sang uh, Lazy. He did. Oh, he did. I'm wicked and I'm lazy. That's the one. That's the one. Oh, <laughs> don't you want to change me? Yeah, that's the one. Yes. Lazy in the wicked morning. Yeah, lazy. So, ooh, that, that one. That's that one. Yeah, yeah, that's that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. Yeah, yeah. I did that one. Yeah. yeah, I didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, David Bowie and David Byrne are two artists who have like a slightly ethereal quality about them, right? Sure, but yeah. it does make me think that you didn't get beyond the bees in the David section. <laughs> no, just, <laughs> that's not fair. No, David, David Baddiel? What do you think? David Baddiel, he never, he never did any good songs. Okay. He did, well, uh, three, three lines on your three shirt, Three lines? I'll forget three lines. But yeah, no, but they were both sort of art school guys who were obsessed with film as well and, mm. and all that kind of stuff. So they were both into the same kind of things that I was into. And so I just crazily worshipped them and wanted to be them and all that sort of stuff yeah um, I loved David Byrne made a Talking Heads movie called True Stories in the 80s he did the 80s. I, I watched oh, a, I, talk, I watched a great. documentary about that the other week it's weird though right yeah, it's completely weird it's a little bit kind of David Lynch but it's um, and it's just a sort of small town set of stories and all the people who live in the town and then they had an album called True Stories which was their right. which was a Talking Heads album that Okay, I that, thought, yeah. that is all related to the film. John Goodman's in the film, and all sorts of people. It's re- it's a great, it's a fun kind of. Was 80s it late eighties? Eighty six, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's weird. It's weird how how these things come up because I literally saw a documentary about that like two weeks ago. I saw David Byrne walking through Soho once, and even though living in London, you're not you see people all the time, don't you? And it doesn't you sort of get become quite blasé about it. And I, I did a real kind of... You just want to point at people and go, look, it's David <laughs> So I couldn't believe it. It's one of those people that I just never would expect to see in real life. I guess, uh, you know, just people that have got a sort of quality about them where the idea that they still exist in your world yeah. is slightly not... Was he kind of wearing normal clothes? He was wearing either like a very sort of light or white suit. Yeah, he does that all the time. Yeah. He, he'll walk around in an all-white kind of jogging suit, like white hoodie, white kind of quite tailored jogging pants and white sneakers, and, and his hair's white. So he kind of... Yeah. It's a really kind of... So I guess it doesn't really blend in. He's he gone doesn't really for blend it. in. He's gone for it, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, why should he? It's David Byrne. Yeah, he doesn't. No, of course. Him. I tell you what, I, I walked past. I tell you, you'll never guess. You'll never guess who I walked past yesterday. <laughs> <Don't know>. um, <laughs> well, I won't guess. Well, give a guess. No, you said I never will. Well, both of you guess. Kate, Kate Bush. No. Sooty. No. You get three guesses each. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Natalie from Food Bar Radio. No. It's uh, uh, Boris Johnson. No. Um, last guess. I better make this good. James James Bond. No. <laughs> Nigel Kennedy, the violinist. No. Mm-hmm. It was the grown-up kid from Son of Rambo. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, uh, who plays Which the kid? British Prime Minister in Love, actually? No, no idea. no idea. It's Hugh Grant. 
And he uh, did a really good... I was listening to you talking about his movies. There's one movie he did where he plays it straight called Extreme Measures, him and Gene Hackman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's we mentioned that earlier. Oh, you did? We did ah, mention it earlier. Before I arrived oh, no. when I was on the way. But I haven't seen it, but go on. It's really good. Oh, right, it's, it's, it's really good. He plays it straight. It's really good. It's ludicrous, but it's really good. I think it is a good one. But yeah. you, there was also a film of almost the same time called Desperate Measures starring yeah. Andy Garcia and Michael Keaton as kind of like... A, Michael Keaton was this bodybuilding Hannibal Lecter type who wears glasses. It's, I mean, that's a kind of a cool action-type film. I don't know. I like the 90s. <laughs> they made loads of good films in the 90s. Did, I think it was like action films just aren't as good. And not like I'm only, I only like action films, but romantic comedies. I think Sleepless in Seattle was the last decent romantic film. comedy ever made. And then... Um, yeah, and like you look at The Rock and you compare The Rock to Skyscraper starring The Rock. You just think, stick to just being the title of a movie. <laughs> you don't have to be in them. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so, so Tom, you are here. It's a bit of a weird one. Promoting your new series. Oh, yeah. Which is yeah, The what? Cheat. Uh, which is called Cheat, which starts oh, on Monday cheat. straight through to Thursday at 9pm on ITV1. And what's that about? That's, it's about? Uh, it's about a... University lecturer, so it's Kate Kelly playing a university lecturer, and I'm her husband, also a university lecturer, so straightforward. Uh, but she has a student played by the amazing Molly Windsor, who won the BAFTA last year, uh, who is a, kind of obsessed with her, and we don't really know why. And uh, and Kate's character accuses her of plagiarism in one of her sort of final papers for her degree, and fails her, and uh, and then the whole kind of thing kicks off from there because. Molly's character Rose just doesn't won't take it and is kind of obsessed with sort of revenge but then you're not sure if she is or if it's all inside Kate and you don't know Kate's whether it, she has cheated or not and you don't know whether she has cheated or not cheated and so the whole thing starts to kick off and I'm supposed really to be premise. the voice of reason in the, mi- in the middle but in fact I'm a tremendously flawed character who really can't <laughs> work out what's going on <laughs> so, um, so it's, it's a lot of fun but it's kind of like a psychological mystery slash horror okay yeah it's a lot it of sounds almost although I, I don't know if it will end up being almost like those sort of urban thrillers of your sort of Pacific Heights and yeah You're, what's, what's you know what I mean? Hand that rocks the cradle yeah, Hand that no, rocks the cradle I've got no problem with that Okay. Malice. Is that, is that <laughs> exactly. fair? I or think is it is similar. Hand, Hand that rocks the cradle is not a bad comparison. Uh, that was my one. Single yeah. white female. Single white female, not a bad comparison. Right. Got it. Not a good comparison. But Juice Bigelow, <laughs> European Gigolo. Anything like that? It, it, uh, no. Not really. No. Not, not on this occasion. <laughs> Okay, that's right. No, it sounds like it. Yeah, I don't Come know. It's, it's a very smart premise. You were actually yeah. in a TV drama a few years ago. Which I don't think a lot of people gave it the credit to, and that was the Devil's Whore. Yeah, which absolutely one of my <laughs> loved it. It probably is my favourite job of all time. Yeah. I re- for yeah. just for being in, or just, just because you just because for being in, for doing it, and everything. Because I played John Lilburn, who was the leader of the Levellers, who's who I'm distantly related to. Oh, really? Which is by a weird coincidence. So it wasn't something that we, you knew about at the time, or was it in no, your research? I did know about out? it, but I didn't walk into the audition and go, <laughs> I'm. I'm, I'm related this. to this man. I will play him. I've done that once. But it, have you? Well done. Um, 
Well, I, I, I auditioned. <laughs> I wasn't related to them, but I lived three doors down from Toby Jones. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> I, I mentioned in the audition that I get his post sometimes. And in the back of my head, I thought, they'll save a bit of money on cars. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get it? No. Uh, <laughs> uh, but um, so I don't know. So the devil's whore. I don't know this. It was a sort of Civil War drama. And it was a sort of... Let's let's let Tom explain it. Yeah, you should. Yeah, it was set in the the (laughs) English Civil War. So it's all all about... Hang on a minute. Sorry, Tom. (laughs) Uh, But I cannot believe that we've got the actual... One of the stars of that that show. Was it a show? It was a show. Yeah. Yeah. In the room. No, you're right. You're you're, you're going about explaining to, to him while he's in here what the plot of his own work is <laughs> when we could just ask him yeah, to explain it yeah. no that's fair that is fair so you may actually, sorry Tom carry on that, to be fair may remember it better than I do in, but, in, it, but in, it's, it's English Civil War so it's about Cromwell and King Charles and so when you say you relate to the levellers you didn't mean the band I didn't mean the band because <laughs> I assumed that the Devil's Horn <laughs> was a historical piece and then you yeah. said the levellers and I thought the maybe it's about the band because the band are named after right. the movement what? So tell me about this movement. Was it <laughs> so the levelers? So back in the day, the land was quite hilly. Yeah, but so yeah, but it's not. It's not that. It's about. <laughs> it's about the level. It's about leveling class. So they were. They were sort of proto-communist. Except, well, not really. But but they were certainly proto-socialists. And and so Lilburn was was a socialist at a time when it wasn't fashionable to be a socialist. So hang on, I'm going to stop you there, Tom. Sorry, now, what was it about? <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things I thought was quite neat about it has it. So you have all these characters, some that are real and some are fictional. Yeah. But you have John Sims' character, who's essentially, uh, you know, doing a kind of Yojimbo, man with no name type yeah. character Although that comes he's in. Based on a real guy. Oh, was it? I assume he was a fictional character. No, he was real. The only, the only person, the only major character who isn't real is the, is the star of it, which is Andrea Riseborough, who was playing Angelica Fanshawe. She never existed. So, so the main was she the devil's whore? And she's the devil's whore. She's yeah. she's brilliant. Isn't she? she's, she's amazing, absolutely yeah. fantastic in everything. Yeah. Um, but in that, it's, it's that to another sort of um, <laughs> man with no name, Yojimbo man goes into a town. It's an English Civil War, but plays off the two sides against uh, the yeah. uh, sorcerers and the wizard, the dragon. That, mostly. What's the one with John, David Carradine? <laughs> it's real, isn't it? Which one? Oh, the, um, the I know what you mean. I watched it the other week. The warlock and the sorcerer. Oh. It's just a, basically, it's a film. It's a sword and sa- sorcery film, and it started, and I was like, "Oh, this will be great." And then within seconds, you just know it's a rip off of your Jimbo, and you go, "Oh!" And then you got to sit through the same story beats again for like the millionth time. <sighs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, but I just need to get that off my chest. I can't, <laughs> I can't remember the name. Can you look up the name of the jo- David Carradine? <laughs> film uh, that rips off your chimbo. But it is, it's one, it's in that and I thought, oh, yeah. what a really smart But when I say that, that yeah. when I say, oh no, you've got to sit through the same story beats again, I have to say, the devil's horse sounds, <laughs> sounds excellent. Yeah, it's, no, it really just, is excellent. Just, just to realise really what I've done there. Uh, some, some retake, the warrior and the sorceress. Uh, is that what it is? I've never heard of that one. No, uh, I haven't. Oh, yeah. You'd have seen, if you're not familiar with it, uh, basically I was going to write a show about uh, barbarianism and uh, I've, uh, I bought uh, Conan. I, I, went on, I went on Amazon and I bought all these films that I've actually got on... Downloaded on my TV already. It was a waste of money. Uh, <laughs> I bought Red Sonja twice. Ooh, I clicked okay. on it twice on Amazon, and so we've got two well, copies it of it. Will it sell it to you twice? 
Yeah, it's got a two, but you didn't realise until you bought it. I quite like Red Sun, yeah. Oh, not that much. Uh, not, not to own. T- well, I've got, uh, I've got an upstairs and a downstairs. <laughs> I've always got it playing. <laughs> <laughs> I heard a rumour once and I really want it to be true that Shane Ritchie is such a big fan of the Planet of the Apes I films. told you this oh did you yes that he has Planet of the Apes <laughs> playing in his toilet um, 24-7 no he doesn't he has I, it projected he has it starts playing I think when the lid goes down <laughs> or when he shuts the door and then the screen comes down and it picks up from where he left off <laughs> <laughs> and it's on loop. <laughs> That's so. good. The good way of watching it. So you've never got to miss it. It's not going to be the opening, always the opening, like five or ten minutes every time. No, exactly. Good. Um, That's smart. I think, yeah, I really do think that Shane Ritchie loves Planet of the Apes. I of do. course, if it was my toilet, it would be Escape from Planet of the Apes, <laughs> which is the third and best of all of the Planet of the Apes I like, movies. I think you're right. It's my favourite really? one. Really? Yeah, Planet, Escape from Planet of the Apes is... Uh, Escape from Planet of the Apes is the one where they go back... In time to the 1970s, so there's lots of apes uh, walking right, about. Yeah. And okay, so yeah. run along, Zira, don't dawdle. <laughs> That's my Roddy McDowell impression. <laughs> really committed to that. But hang on, you keep getting distracted. Tell, <laughs> tell us about the Devil's Hall. <laughs> More about the Devil's Hall. Well, it was wasn't it written by Peter Flannery. It was written well, by Peter Flannery, and he yes. did Our Friends in the North. Our Friends in the North, which again is w- one of the best. Probably TV one of the best TV shows. As, in the started 90s. off as a play, okay. which I saw as a kid. Oh, really? Because uh, because um, the, the Royal Shakespeare Company did it, and he wrote it was a commission for the Royal Shakespeare Company, so he wrote it as a play. <laughs> and when I was about twelve or thirteen years old, I saw it in in Newcastle where I grew up. Oh wow! Uh, twice. In fact, and I then think it became did I a TV know? series. Yeah. And did, does a play not go up to? Where does that leave off? That goes up to what era? No, the, pl- the play is as long as the series. Oh, so wow. you watched it in three parts. I think it was a huge, epic three-part play. So you'd, 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 you know, you'd spend the whole day watching the play. God, I love that. Yeah. What a great series. Yeah. And he doesn't seem to... I mean, he's he someone I always try enough. and... Yeah, it yeah. just feels like... I know. Every time I look at it, it feels like, well, what's he, what else he's done? Excuse and you me. realise when he's... This is going to make me sound really unprofessional. But um, I... <laughs> we, What's our friends we, in the north about? Oh, well, yeah, that's what you're talking about. Was it our oh, friends in the north? Yeah. yeah. Right. Sorry, I missed that vital piece of information <laughs> because <laughs> Natalie uh, just uh, messaged us some Shane Ritchie knowledge. So uh, just okay. just for the fans at home, news just in Shane Ritchie. This is a direct quote from Shane Ritchie. Uh, you know, I've got the original Planet of the X wagon, don't you, mate? I've got the original wagon they threw John Heston <laughs> into. I got that when I was doing eBay while drinking Jack Daniels. That was a lost weekend. It cost him £9,000 to buy the original wagon from the 1968 film Planet of the Apes. Having bought it, Richie spent another £12,000 to get the memorabilia shipped over to England from the US. So that's, that ended up costing him a whopping £21,000. Uh, anyway, could you get wow. Shane Ritchie on, please? <laughs> Make a note. Let's see if we can get Shane Ritchie on while we talk about his Planet of the Apes wagon. My, yeah. my ex-girlfriend, uh, uh, who, who really fancied me, also fancied. That's good. She also, she also fancied Shane Ritchie, Frank Spencer, not Michael Crawford, Frank, Frank Spencer, Spencer, and Joe Pasquale. <laughs> not so much a compliment now, is it? <laughs> <laughs> That's the best of a bad bunch, but don't even uh, don't even believe that anymore. <laughs> Anyway, our friends in the north. Tell us about that again. Well, you weren't in that. <laughs> no, but I now wasn't we're in now. That. <laughs> I wasn't in that, but that's where we're on now. But Pete, Peter Flannery. And is, David Morrissey wasn't in that. 
No, he, he wasn't. wasn't. Oh. You think he was, but he wasn't. Yeah, well, my mum thinks he was, is the thing. <laughs> you thinking, you thinking of there was Daniel Craig? Or something like that. No, I'm, no. I'm, I'm specifically thinking of our friends in the north because I went to see uh, David Morrissey in Three Days of Rain with Colin Firth. And I was better. We're now, we've moved, we've moved away so far yeah. from things so you far, are in. Literally, literally <laughs> yeah, but you may I've have seen them. Yeah, no, no. Uh, <laughs> our friends of the North was Daniel Craig, Mark Strong. Gina uh, McKee. Gina McKee. And Maybe it was Mark Strong. Chris Freckleston. Christopher Eccleston, yeah. I don't think it was Christopher Eccleston. Who he was, was in Three he Days definitely of Rain? Who was in Three Days of Rain? Was it... With the, with Colin Firth. Yeah, we talk about two different things. They I could both be are. in their own. No, no. But David I, Morrissey could still I, be in a play. I think or. David Morrissey. No, because no, no, I think David Morrissey was in Three Days of Rain, the play. Yes. And at the Donmar Warehouse, and at the time, my mum was convinced that he was also in Our Friends in the North. I think your mum's made an error. I think she has. Unless he was in a more minor character. He might, yeah, he might, maybe he was him. in a smaller role. Wasn't he, one of, he was the he bad definitely guy. Wasn't. He was the bad guy. <sighs> Alan Armstrong was T-Dance. Was I've never seen Alan Armstrong, Armstrong in Three Days of Rain. Sorry. <laughs> James McAvoy. Why, James out. McAvoy would have been sperm when I went to see Three Days of Rain. He was in it, though, wasn't he? James McAvoy? Yeah. In Three Days he? of Rain? Yeah, but maybe later on. But oh, not see. in the original version that I saw. It sounded like you said Neil Morrissey. David Morrissey. David Morrissey, sure. Yeah, he was in Three Days of Rain. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, was he in Our Friends in the North? It's no. weird, isn't it? Because he is Northern. You'd think that <laughs> if they were getting that group. He is part, very much of the Eccleston. Sure, I can see how you'd think he might be in Our Friends in the North. But he wasn't Doctor Who either. He was in he it, wasn't. though. He, he was, was what was he? He thought he was the Doctor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, in an episode? Yeah. You were in Doctor Who? He'd, he'd, I was in Doctor Who. And that's Bob's. Comedy connection. <laughs> so uh, uh, yeah, he'd had the doctor's personality put into him, hadn't he? Somehow yeah. via the watch thing. Yes, I think so. Something like that. What I like is we're talking to you about lots of things <laughs> that you haven't been in. Yeah. Well, you have parallel. It's like parallel it's careers. Parallel. Well, we wanted to ask you. Right. <laughs> we wanted to ask you a question. Yeah. You were on. You were on. You were in the movie, <laughs> The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I was. Yeah. Now, uh, that is the film that made Sean Connery retire from acting. <laughs> All acting. All acting. What was that like? What was that like? It was amazing. Cause he, he, so uh, what character did you play? Like? I played Sanderson Reed, who's not in the original graphic novel. Mm. In the original graphic novel, there's a character called Campion Bond, who brings the league together, and is supposed to be James Bond's grandfather. Which is why they were so chuffed to get Connery in playing Quartermain. Right. But because in the movie they wanted that Campion Bond character to turn out to be a spoiler villain, they changed his name to Sanderson Reed and made him look nothing like Campion Bond. So I played that guy. Right. So, and Connery was amazing. I spent the first two weeks shooting almost exclusively just with him in the sort of Britannia Club <laughs> setting, him and David Hemmings. And you're one of the last people to be able to say that. And I'm the, one of the last people to be able to say I, I shot a film with... Sean Connery. He yeah. did do the voiceover of that uh, Scottish animated movie, Sir he, Willie. He did. <laughs> That's an odd. <laughs> he that did. looks like an odd animation. <laughs> he did. But he, yeah, no, he's had it. He, yeah, he just had enough. Of, 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 of acting in general? or uh, I, think, I think he got frustrated somehow and just thought, I don't need to be doing this but anymore. But your experience of making it was great. It was amazing. I had a brilliant time on it. 
And uh, but Steve Norrington, who's a beautiful, lovely man who directed it, and Sean did not get on, <laughs> uh, that, to say the least. And uh, so that was that was difficult. I Do you know what the what the thing was between them? What the uh, a combination of too many late lights and lots of lots of just drugs, probably. <laughs> I think I think it was just they were. <laughs> Very allegedly, they were. Uh, no, they just they just sort of came to blows. They just didn't. See Sean Connery right. staying up all night. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, the uh, no, it was. Uh, I'm being silly. They were. Have they you just heard it here first, Angela? They just didn't see eye. They did not. They did not see eye to eye. Nothing happened. And there's, there's no. There's no mystery. They didn't see eye to eye. No, 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 no. Very, no, no, very, no, very, no, very vocal about. No, it. I find that really interesting. Yeah. Oh, like, well, for instance, um, our friend Gemma Whelan uh, was in the movie The Wolfman. And the and I really love the Wolfman. I love it. But the original director was wow, what's his fucking name? Um, the oh, he's a music video director. Uh, his surname begins with an R. Uh, I used to know this. Look it up, Natalie. No, it was oh fuck it. I do know this, and it's gone. Anyway, so the original director. Uh, are you looking it up? Are you looking it up, or are you having a chat? <laughs> I know who the director was. Who was the original director? Who was the guy that was doing it before? Not Joe Johnston. He is the director. <laughs> anyway, there was a guy that was on it. And um, not George Wagner. It begins with an R. <laughs> um, so the original guy that was on it, um, he... Uh, Oh my god, it's so annoying because it comes off all the time. Um, the original guy that was on it had been on it for like a year and a half, and then uh, he quit two weeks before they started filming. And Joe Johnson basically came on, and he had two weeks to basically prep and take over the entire production of this big wow. period special effects movie. And um, and Gemma was kind of like on the entire shoot. And when you see the final film, she literally opens the door and says hello, and then Emily Blunt says. I need to see the man of the house and then she lets her in and that's it and I like asked Gemma about it I said what happened there and Gemma's like I'm in every scene but there's like a funeral scene where there's a carriage and she goes I'm in the carriage you know, wow. she had to be there for the entire thing but she's in like blinking your missing part and I, I just find that sort of thing fascinating there's a where character in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen Mark Romanek that's it Mark there's a character in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen who was like the the MacGuffin that sort of went through the whole plot. She's she's kidnapped. She's the kidnapped daughter of a scientist who's building all those zeppelins at the beginning of the movie, and uh, and the League are put together to save her, and to and to and to get her back to her father, who's the scientist who, who's killed, at, who's you know kidnapped at the beginning. Yeah, she's not in the film. She was the main plot of us. <laughs> she's not in the film. It's probably okay to say this twenty <laughs> years later. She's not in the film, but there is one trailer that I think still exists, where she's standing in a dress next to a toast. She's a beautiful actress called Winter Avezoli. She's done really brilliant work since. And this was her first big break. And, uh, and, the, you, and it just pans across a table. And there's this beautiful woman in a dress who's not in the film, just in that one trailer. Right, yeah. And uh, she was completely cut out. They just cut out. It was about a 35-minute section of the film. God, it was but the studio it? cut after Stephen left the picture and... And the whole production of it just changed in the edit, and she's not in it. I do find that really fascinating. Yeah, like the, I do the, find original, that. the original trailer for like Mission Impossible is 
it hints at a romantic uh, subplot with uh, Tom Cruise and uh, who's the woman in the first oh, uh, Emmanuel Bert. Right, yeah. Mm. And, uh, and they, they, I think there's a scene where they kiss in the trailer and it's not in the film. And then there's nothing happening. And you go, well, they've cut, a, they've cut an entire plot. My girlfriend, um, she, uh, she's a makeup artist. And she's like, what was work like today? She goes, oh, it's boring, just lots of standing around. Uh, what she fails to mention is that she did the reshoots on Rogue One and Han Solo, <laughs> the, you know, the Solo movie. And it's kind of like, so she was she did the, the reshoots for Rogue One with the Darth Vader hallway sequence where he's there, and you go boring, lots of standing around, <laughs> and then you got to work with Darth Vader, and then the other one was uh, you know she was basically um, uh, there were six Chewbaccas on the Solo movie, and it basically it took a lot of her <laughs> her makeup people to look after him, but like you go. I find all of that fascinating. Like, what was Solo like? They filmed ninety-eight percent of the film, and then they they had two weeks left of filming, and then they replaced him with Ron Howard, and it's kind of uh, Lord and Miller. They replaced Lord and Miller. I just find what might have been those um, alternate timelines. Mm. One of my one of my favourite directors is Bruce Robinson, like with and I. And yeah, I yeah. Has to go ahead. Advertising which brilliant films, but he then went on to make a film called Jennifer Eight. Which was a serial uh, yes. killer movie, yeah, and with uh, uh, Andy Garcia, with Andy Garcia, John Malkovich, is and Uma Thurman, Uma Thurman, and Jennifer. She, she plays yeah. a blind woman, yeah, yeah. And there's there's a whole there's a massive story involving John Malkovich's FBI agent that's supposed to go all the way through, and it ended up being a twenty minute interrogation scene, and he's cut from the rest of the film because Bruce lost editorial control of the film. <sighs> and so there's a cut out there somewhere of Bruce Robinson's like proper Jennifer Eight. Which we'll never see. Are there different versions of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen then? Um, well, no, there aren't. Uh, everyone, like all the fans, go, "I wish we could see Stephen Orrington's director's cut," but you never will. But it's like the Justice League as well, um, uh, where uh, Zack Snyder, there's, everyone wants to see the Snyder cut. It's not going to be any better than whatever we ended up with. There's obviously more though, isn't there? That's what you think. It's such. A, it's one of those films where you go. I mean, it's it's about eighty minutes, and it's like one of those kind of. There must be. Well, they cut it yeah. down. It had to be cut down to two hours so they could show that. But you just okay. But the tone is so inconsistent with Man mm. of Steel and, and Dawn of and Dawn of Justice that you just think, at least just. Show, I mean, it might be another shit film, but at least just show us the shit film so it makes content. That Don't just make another shit film that's got nothing to do with the other two films. The premise of that film was that they have to find was it they have to find five boxes or something, and you see at the start they get two of them and they. They go get another two. And then there's another one which has been like referenced. And they go, oh, what about the other box? And he's like, oh, yeah, I've got that one as well. Yeah. And it's just like <laughs> opens off screen. The whole premise of the thing is that you've, you're looking for these boxes. And it's just like save a bit of time. They're like, mm. yeah, we've, no, I've got that one as well. There, yeah, just got it. Just there. It just happened in a bit you weren't, we didn't film. And, and, and then you go, it must have been. You must have filmed this. <laughs> then did you see that? Did you see that uh, Michael Fassbender filmed The Snowman? Yeah. Where. Uh, they didn't. They didn't film the film. They filmed like sixty percent of the film and then had to release it. So they. So so basically, the scenes where oh, yeah. they go. Um, they go to. Well, because when you look at it, there's like I, I watched the thing about it, and when you when you watch when you watch the film, it starts off and there's lots of really complicated shots with like uh, with. Um, 
you know, all the cameras are on rails and they're kind of like all moving for every single bit of dialogue, which takes ages to set up and it's going from every angle and it's doing all this. And then later on, it's kind of like very static. Mm. And there's scenes where they go and investigate someone's house and then they're driving away from the house and then the plot is, hang on a minute, it's back at the house. We've got to turn around and go back to the house. But instead of showing the car turning around, they just do it as voiceover. It's this car driving away from the house and they're going, hang on a minute, the bad guy's still there. We better turn around. <laughs> but they never show the footage of the car turning around. It's just Michael Fassbender doing ADR, like uh, uh, additional dialogue recording, uh, doing ADR. Just right, they're basically they're just trying to save this film, and the ending doesn't make any sense. And it's just kind of like, and it's crazy. And you go, that's not like there's an alternative cut of that no, film. No, they it's just like, don't have the footage. They didn't. They didn't have the footage in order to make the film that they set out to make. They pulled the plug as it had gone way over budget. Is that right? I think it went. Uh, I think it went over schedule. Ah, right. Okay. And so, and I think they had Michael Fassbender for like he was contracted to do like three months, or however however long it was. He was in Devil's Hall, right? Oh, yeah, right. he plays Thomas Rainsborough in Devil's Hall. It was, it was like it was the, about the last thing he did before he suddenly went stratospheric because Hunger came out that summer. Right. Yeah. Hunger. I mean, you gotta you gotta watch it then. I will. Great bit of that. Uh, writing it down. Devil's <laughs> whore. Uh, I just want to say I've moved house and I haven't had the internet. So. <laughs> Not that that changes because uh, you you saw the Devil's Whore ages ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah when it came out. Uh, what's, your fa- <laughs> what's your favourite film? My favourite film. Uh, it's, yeah, it's always a toss up between. It's always either Blade Runner or Whitman and I, depending on what on what mood I'm in. Which Blade Runner? There's five cuts. Well, I, I would go Final Cut. Final cut, sure, Final yeah. sure. Yeah. Although it's not the one I fell in love with. Which one was that? The one with That's the that, with the voiceover. Yeah, whatever the first, yeah, the one with the voiceover when it first came out on TV. First saw it on TV because I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. How old are you? Fifty. Oh, younger than me. You're not. You're not. <laughs> you're not. I'm fifty-nine. <laughs> Nick. I don't know why he's doing Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know why. Are you really 50? I'm 50. Yeah, look, fair no, you're not. 50. I am a 50. I just assumed you were 30. How old am I? <laughs> you didn't just tell that to the. Uh, can I. Okay, am I the only one that can listen? <laughs> am I the only one that can hear you? Yes. Uh, I'm IMDb age 26. <laughs> nice. Are you really 50? I'm 50. That's yeah. incredible. Very good for 50. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, ginger gene. What's your secret? It's just the ginger gene, pale skin. That's all it is. I don't think it's paleness. That doesn't. <laughs> that doesn't mean <laughs> that, you, that you look younger. I don't know. Probably just stayed out of the sun. What? And I look like I've been in the sun, do I? Mm. <laughs> There's a woman in the shop around the corner that me and Nick go to who <laughs> think we look. Um, they she refers to us as granddads because uh, there were some kids in there and they thought. How old do you think we were? Seventy. Or I something? think I, th- I think that they were they were about twenty. They, and they about saw 20. us in the shop and they nudged each other and then they left. And as we approached the till, the woman was laughing, and we thought at us. Yeah, and we we just assumed that they'd all recognised me off the telly. <laughs> uh, I get it a lot, a bit. I get it a bit sometimes, and um, <laughs> and uh, I get birthday cards from my parents, and um, so. Um, so we got up to the till, and they're like, uh, she's laughing at us. Oh, we've already told this story. This is just for your benefit. And uh, <laughs> she, goes, she goes, you never guess what those kids were saying. And we said, what? And they go, they said, that's what we'll look like in 50 years. Brilliant. <laughs> 50 years. Brilliant. 
Was it 50 or 30? No, it was 50 years. Plus, <laughs> like, you had that... So they're about 20. And so they've seen us and gone, about 70. <laughs> oh, to be fair, In though, 50 when you're young, years. you think everyone's older than they look. Not sure. when you're 20. Maybe when you're four, you think, I can't, I can't tell the difference in any of these I people. I mean, it was but early. You probably imagined that the 20-year-olds were 20 when they were probably only 14. No, they were older than 14. Well, you see, T, you were doing to them what they did to you. No, they, they were 20. They were, about 20. <laughs> they were 20. They had their uh, Bart Simpson's backpacks and uh, <laughs> swatches. I don't know anything about youth culture. Swatch watches. Uh, their swatch watches. And, uh, they had their swatches. Sergio Cicchini, um Tracksuit tops. <laughs> they, they had their swatch watches. Uh, no, they had their swatches. You go, what, what, swatch watches? No, they, uh, they had like uh, big books of uh, fabric that they were going to pick their three-piece <laughs> suites with. <laughs> classic, classic 14-year-olds. I like it. <laughs> Pokemon Go. <laughs> Pokemon gone. Gone. <laughs> Something like that. Okay, um, so okay uh, with Neil and I my friend lives in Stony Stratford and the pub in Stony Stratford uh, that is his local is the actual pub that uh, they uh, filmed with Neil and I in so they must have had to construct quite a lot of sets in there to make it look like London but uh, that's an interesting fun fact nice one <laughs> It's always like this, Tom. Uh, yeah. It is always like this. I'm, I'm realising that. Uh, okay. And you were in Ideal with Johnny Vegas? I was in Ideal. Nick, you've worked ideal. with Johnny Vegas? I have worked with Johnny Vegas, lovely man. And yeah, Baby Cow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, it was a yeah. Baby Cow production. Yeah, Baby yeah. Cow, yeah. Lots of series of Ideal Seven as well. series we did, yeah. Yeah, and we got to the point where we thought, oh, we're definitely going to get Series 8, and that's when they cancelled it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it felt like everyone in it was almost... There was lots of got people who were... Series 7? <laughs> Made a lot of first series. No. I've made a lot of first series. <laughs> I can only dream of uh, the bond that uh, you would have forged between you know, the returning crew and cast members over yeah. those seven seasons. Yeah, it was close, Nick. It was close. Um, <laughs> Still, all that to come. You're only 26. I had three series of Uncle. Watched that kid grow up before my eyes. Yep. Can't get him to do anything now. That's what happens when you put your career in the hands of a child. He's your agent as well, isn't he? He is. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, contractually bound. <laughs> Takes 75% of everything I make, which I said was too high. But he said, no way. What do you think of these swatches? And I was like, <laughs> I like the Damask. Nick and Amy Dunn are the main characters in which movie? Nick and Amy Dunn. Nick, Nick and Dunn. Amy Dunn. Is, uh, is, that, is that nine months? No. Oh, that would not, be good. They're not though. all Hugh Grant related, I have to point out. <laughs> I don't think Nick you're going to get this. Nick and Amy Dunn. Can we have the, four, uh, the oh, four options? Interstellar, Boyhood, Gone Girl, Divergent. Oh, Gone Girl. Uh, uh, yeah, Gone Girl. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Isla, Nuba, uh, Isla Nubler. Uh, okay. We're already there. Yeah. Jurassic Park. Okay. From the film Jurassic Park. Oh, okay. Contains which theme park? Sorry, I wasn't quick enough to think of a, a, an alternate question. Um, what, uh, what's your favourite TV series that you went in? Uh, Edge of Darkness. 
Oh yeah, I've never seen it. Oh, the one that the movie was based on. Yeah, don't watch the movie. Who was in the movie? It wasn't Mel Gibson. Was it? Was it? The TV show was Bob Peck from Jurassic Park. Was from Jurassic Park, of course. It's amazing. Clever girl. Yeah, best piece of telly ever made. It's still the best piece of telly ever made. I really should watch that. How many episodes is it? It's four. So you could binge it in an afternoon. Yeah, you can binge it. Yeah, it's no, it's six. Oh, you can still binge it. It's yeah. what half hours or it's hours. Been cut, it's been cut differently a couple of times, but you can you can get it on DVD, Blu-ray, all that. It's it's amazing. Bitch. <laughs> darkness. Yeah, we're all learning. You ever been to see the darkness? The darkness never been seen. Great band. Yeah. <laughs> Are they though? Yeah. Okay. I met someone who was in the darkness, actually. They're very nice. I think he was the drummer, I think. He was a nice fella. They're all nice. Well, nice um, fellas. So, um, <laughs> just, just, did you... Uh, um, so, I, my, one of my favourite books, um, and I always try, try to read it before I've got a, a, an acting job, uh, is the Michael Caine book on acting. Oh, yeah. Um, all sorts of great tips for screen acting, like uh, don't move your hands around too much, yeah. just keep them by your sides, that way yeah. they can cut, cut together in the edit. Uh, be very careful what you do with a prop. Stuff like that. <laughs> what's the best bit of... Uh, uh, what's the best thing that you learn off of working with Sean Connery? <laughs> uh, if you want them to move in for a close-up, take your trousers off. Ah. What? Yeah. Makes sense. They'll never film you. So we were shooting at the Britannia Club and he'd had enough of the wides and all the establishing shots. So next time we walked back in, he had the top off his costume on and he was wearing a pair of knee length shorts underneath it. So. Oh my God. So we had no option but to cut in. That's great. Because you're never going to. Not something I would ever do. But I was very impressed. But you weren't Indiana Jones's dad and James Bond. Exactly. Yes. There's a power play to it, isn't there? But it's very, very clever. Yeah. Um. That is very good, but also, yeah, but th- yeah, sometimes, I suppose for coverage, you would want to go in, wouldn't you? You would want to cut into like close-ups and stuff, but maybe the director wanted to do everything in a wide. Yeah, he, he, which I think he did, because he's very what? cinematic, loved his widescreen. But what, Sean just wanted some close-ups? Yeah, he just wanted to just cut in, get to the money shots, please. Because We have def- been doing wides and mediums for a very long time. And so like he basically really saved the day. Oh yeah, essentially. Did you think he, he was, was like, a fucking legend when he did that? Oh yeah, that's good. That is good. Yeah, you heard it here first, fan club. Uh, it's uh, 2019, but back in the day, <laughs> it was acceptable <laughs> to take your trousers off on a mix set. So uh, we're going to play a game with you now. Okay, this is this is my game, and it's um, called Better or Worse. Okay. And what you have to do, I'm going to give you a series of names, and you have to tell me whether the next person is better or worse than the person before. But don't worry, because it's entirely based on my own opinion. <laughs> Starting with Clint Eastwood. Okay. Buddy Holly. Is Buddy Holly better or worse than Clint Eastwood? Oh, worse. I'd say worse. Better. I'm going to say worse. Oh, of course he's worse. He died in a plane crash. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Swayze. Better or worse than Buddy Holly? Uh, Patrick Swayze is better. Better, I'd say better. Yeah, and I think worse. Oh, oh my god, yeah, that's so controversial. Yeah, that's well, this is wrong. only my opinion. Buddy Holly wasn't in Roadhouse. Um, Dean and Martin. I say Roadhouse, but I meant Dirty Dancing. <laughs> Dean Martin, better or worse than Patrick Swayze? Better. Dean Martin, better. Better, yeah, correct. Better. 
Jimmy Nail, better or worse than Dean Martin? Was we're he not in saying our Jimmy country Nail. in the north? He wasn't in it. He wasn't, no, he wasn't in, it. in it. But worse than Dean Martin. He is worse, but he's a high card like Jimmy he's a Nail. High card. My yeah, favourite TV shoes. show is season two of Crocodile Shoes. Carry on. Um, Jimmy Nail. <laughs> oh, or Jimmy Hendrix, better or worse than Jimmy Nail? Better. Uh, much better. Better. Okay. Mel B from the Spice Girls, better mm. or worse than Jimi Hendrix? <laughs> Worse. She's worse. worse. Worse, correct, correct. Mel C, better or worse than Mel B? Oh, better. Better, correct, Ooh, yeah. I don't know. Mel What's... Smith, better or worse than Mel C? Better. Better, yeah. But, no, and worse. Stanley better. 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 Stanley Kubrick, better or worse than Mel Smith? The ultimate Kubrick, disaster movie. Only just better than better, Mel Smith. Better than Mel Kubrick Smith. Kubrick is yes. better than Mel Smith. I don't Seven. know. Seven. It's a good score. Oh, well, well done. You got seven there. Uh, that means that uh, you're in the same league as Hayley Campbell, Brett Goldstein, Charlie Higson, Matthew Holness, Jim Hoskin, Laura Lex, Esther Smith, Ian Smith, Josh Widdicombe, and Sean McLaughlin. But you weren't quite as good as John Niven and Sean Harris with ten. Daniel Cook, Daniel Lawrence Taylor, Michael Legg, Solomon Gray with nine. Claudie Blakely, Jordan Brooks, Suze Kempner, <laughs> Evelyn Mark, Paul F. Taylor, and Rebecca Shorrocks, Mark Smith, and Carl Theobald with eight. But you were better than drunk women solving crime with six, Colin Holt, Andy Kindler, Marit Larwood, Lucy Porter, Richard Sandling, Mark Simmons, David Trent, Yasmin Akram, Rob Deering with five, Better than them. Jack Barry, Bunny Galore, Taylor Glenn and Katie Wilkins with four and Sam Ashurst with three. Wow. So, you and Sam um, get on. Well yeah. done, you did really well. You did really well. You got seven, which is just about average. Thanks. So, uh, well done. Uh, <laughs> just got one final question for you and that is which character does Tim Allen voice into it oh fuck off that's <laughs> <laughs> like that. although uh, uh, my, my parents were around my house the other day and uh, put Toy Story on to just keep them occupied while I was busy <laughs> doing something else and at one point one of them said uh, to infinity and beyond and my mum said oh oh does that come from this Oh. Unbelievable, isn't it? <laughs> Beautiful. That's Unbelievable. lovely. Um, so, uh, thank you very much for... Thank you very much for coming up. For climbing all the way up to the clubhouse. Thanks so much. Uh, <laughs> Cheat is on Monday? Cheat is on Monday on at 9. ITV. 9, 9, ITV. And it runs consecutively until Thursday. Oh, that's nice. Uh, what's your favourite channel to work for? Favourite channel to work for? <laughs> Don't have one. Like them all. Well, Channel 4 probably, I've got to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, why is that? <laughs> I, my, the favourite things I've done have been on Channel 4 very oh, good right. at promoting things yeah. well, aren't they? very good um, I don't mind Sky's money I won't, I won't, <laughs> I won't argue with that so uh, thank you for listening you've been listening to a FUBAR Radio podcast for more information go to FUBARradio.com